Listen, man, you got a good run going, but there's valleys out there. Take it from me, I've been night crawling 14 years. You heard I'm adding a second van? Oh, I didn't hear that. Gonna be a game changer. Cut my on-scene time in half. I'm setting up a dedicated dispatch, too. No more listening and driving. That's for suckers. You like the Canon 305s? Never used one. Six thou a piece. 2.4 megapixels, night vision, 18 to 1 zoom. I got one of those puppies with your name on it. I have a camera. I want you running my second van. Two crews, half the area to cover. Now, I know what you're thinking. Half the money, right? You should be thinking twice the sales, because we're going to be the first at every scene. If I compete, we can work together. I can share my press cards, puppy dog off my police connections. This is the big move, the next level. We corner this whole thing. I'm talking about putting some heavy digits in our pocket, bro. Thank you for offering me the position, but working for myself is more in line with my skills and career goals. Take a few days to think about it. No, you'll need to hire someone else, and I don't want to hold up the process. You want to be on the inside of this, man, because I'm going to be tag-teaming every call. You keep talking like it's something that I may be interested in, but I'm not. You don't even understand the offer. If you did, you'd be fucking sucking my dick. Welcome to the exciting world of the movies. Once again, Kino wins tonight in the movie graveyard. Welcome to this very special Steady Hands edition of the movie graveyard. As always, I'm your boy, the goat, joined by one of our favorite night crawlers, Bat32. Bat, what's going on, baby? Not much, man. Uh, I just love that, uh, yeah, we're talking Nightcrawler, and I just love that line. I hope you play it at the beginning, or you did play it, or whatever, where Phil Faxon's like, I've been, I've been Nightcrawling for 14 years. And I just feel like, I mean, I feel like an old hand now, like Bill Texton's character of uh, yeah. the Nightcrawler. Because I did a bunch of Nightcrawling when I lived in Nashville driving for Uber. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I had some exciting, that's why I, I gravitated to this film immediately, was just from my experiences uh, living in the city and being out at night and going out and driving around at night uh, quite a bit. I'm sure you did in L.A. Oh, too, as well. yes. Uh, I've seen all kinds Walking of shit. But yeah, we're gonna go ahead and get it rolling here. We have it. We have different editions. So like, we went and uh, I have a I have a Korean import, and Bat has a, a domestic version. <laughs> so we have it paused on the production company that actually made the movie. It's called Bold Films, and it's a black uh, background, white lettering with a smoke effect. I have someone a, blew a bong rip. Yeah, somebody blew a bong rip, and then they inserted the title. <laughs> <laughs> so it says bold films on the screen uh you know it fades up you can read the lettering i'm gonna say one two three go and when i say go please hit play on your remotes you ready bat yeah all right one two three go it just popped even more and then the smoke blew away and then right 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 off you're you're in the uh the uh the, into the atmosphere of the movie really yeah, and this is like, uh, I don't know, I was talking to you, like, I watched this on uh, someone's 4K, because I don't have 4K TV, uh, but uh, I was over at uh, someone's house and, uh, yesterday, and I haven't seen this in a year. I want to make sure that I uh, had some time to, to watch it before we do the commentary, and um, it was on HBO Max, and I thought it looked really good on there. Uh, we were talking about uh, whether or not, we don't know if there's a 4K 
release of this or whatever, but I don't think so. Uh, the ups, it looks like an upscale, yeah. and I thought it looked really good, but uh, I'm mistaken. The because I always bitch about too much grade. Like yeah. I, you, I'm, the, I'm the first one to be like, "You're the grain oh, the grade looks like shit." Yeah, but uh, I thought it was film grain, and you were telling me that it was digital noise. It's very digital. It's, <laughs> this movie has a look. It, it's like upgraded, but it has a look very similar to Michael Mann's um, Collateral in Miami Vice movie. Oh, okay. Uh, you didn't mention when we were talking earlier. See, I saw Collateral in theaters when it yeah. first came out. I didn't like it, but I liked the look of it. Right, I, I do like too. The, I didn't like the overall film or the plot, but yeah. uh, the style of it was great. That's uh, Tom Cruise, right? Yeah, Tom Cruise with yeah. a very, very bad white hair wig on. Yeah, that's why I didn't like it. The whole I thought he was miscast for that film, and I thought yeah. the problems with that film was directly Tom Cruise. Well, what's kind of fucked is like when he lands in the airport or wherever he's at, like the the guy that comes up hands him a briefcase to Jason Statham, and this was yeah. back before Jason Statham was like super corny action guy when he was still, right. still kind of a serious dramatic actor. And like, yeah, if they would have made that movie with Statham, like I still like the movie a lot, but if they would have made that movie with Statham, and like you could even had Tom Cruise play the cab driver guy if you wanted right. to, because uh, Jamie, Fo- I, I love Jamie Foxx overall, but in that movie he's mm-hmm. nothing special. But uh, yeah, that would have been one of the best movies of all the time if they would have cast Statham. I I think I think I have to. I'm not a huge Jason Statham fan. Um, I don't think he's like a bad actor or anything. No. I'm just like I don't know. Um, not into his action stuff too much. But he wouldn't. I mean, he is a, not to say he's not a good action star. He would have been a better casting for that. And you're right, the cab driver uh, role. Tom Cruise would have fit that better. Uh, definitely. Well, also, too, wouldn't it make more sense if Statham's like, hey, hey, mate, I'm from fucking England. I need you to drive me around Los Angeles. Like, right. like, like, I'm really not that believing that Tom Cruise needs somebody to drive him around Los Angeles right. so he could do murders, you know what I mean? Right. Jason Statham, he's like, I'm not used to driving on the right side yeah. of the road here in America, so I need someone to drive me because I'll keep trying to get on the left side of the road and it's just too confusing hey, but, so. hey why don't you drive me around while i murder these cunts how about it? i'll give you 500 bucks <laughs> so yeah like i love the introduction to this movie we get introduced to jake gyllenhaal he's actually uh for scrap uh he's actually cutting apart and stealing fence uh material and the security and we've all known a guy like Oh, several. We we've done shit like this. Uh, most of us, most of us listening, have done this. But um, yeah. So, but usually it's, there's a lot. You, you get into the the what do you call it? The abandoned houses, and you steal the the copper the pipes out. out. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's uh Jesus' son. Um, who was it? What's his name? Uh, Crudup. Yeah. Well, he goes with uh, what's the what's the comedian? Uh, what's his name? He goes to the house with him. Mm-hmm. He's pulling the fucking um. God, what's his fucking name? Was it uh, Carrot Top in it? No, the guy he went. No, it's a, he's a stand-up comedian. Well, he's known for like acting roles or whatever. Mm. He started in stand-up. Um, God, what's his name? I'll think of it. I'll, I've, I've drawn a blank right now. But yeah, he goes to that house and he's like, I think it's like his house, mm. and he's pulling the fucking copper wire out of the walls. And uh, yeah, because uh, Crudup asks, "Whose house is this?" And he's like. It's mine. Yeah, and he's just tearing the shit apart. Right. Yeah, but like also too, Gyllenhaal, he gets caught by the security guard and he just attacks him and steals his yeah. watch. And like, do you notice how much they show that watch on his wrist like close up throughout the movie? Um. Yeah, you know, I picked up on some of the stuff. I picked up on a bunch more. It's like every time I – and I've seen this movie – Um, I'd probably see this movie like 30, 40 times actually because I like it that much. Yeah, I've seen 
uh, when I first saw it, and I was just like, this is fucking amazing. Why isn't people talking about this? But I didn't see it in 2013 when it first came out. I, I think I didn't see it until uh, 2014 or 2015, so a couple years later. It wasn't because I didn't want to, and um, I heard really good things about it. I just didn't know. I really didn't know what it was. I just everyone was talking Nightcrawler, Nightcrawler. I'm like, what is this guy? Like a serial killer? Yeah. Like, what's going on? When I, I saw think, it, I was like, hey, BB, I think your mic is rubbing on your shirt or something. It sounds like you're rolling around on the floor recording a podcast right now. It probably is because I'm using my. Uh, I don't. I don't have like these tech you know big huge uh you know high-tech microphones like all all the podcasts you're the master of jack and wi-fi at the mcdonald's to do a podcast i'm doing it old school with these earbuds with the built-in microphones generally that's why it's uh, yeah it's probably should i take my shirt off yeah just whatever it's rubbing up against i guess it'll rub up up against my hairy chest Um, well that'll be even sexier if we're if we're going to hear noise we might as well hear sexy noise Go, go, it's like now it sounds like a 70s porn, yeah. Now. But yeah, I, I like this scene where Hall goes. I don't know this actor's name, this uh Latino gentleman with the severe face. He's, he's kind of almost like a Robert Davi type. I've seen him in a bunch of movies, and he's like, he's this obvious, this obvious thief. And he's like, Oh, I'll sell you all this shit for this much. He's like, Oh, you know, you're hiring anything, and the guy's like, No, he's like, Well, I'll be willing to take a unpaid intern position. And he's, yeah. and he's like, he's like, he's like, no, he's like, he's like, I'm not hiring a fucking thief. <laughs> you know, when I first saw this, I was like, cause he drives like a not modern car. And then, um, it's like an old know, ass Tercel or something. It's like a, it's like up there, like what time period are we looking at? And it's like, okay, this has got to be like early two thousands, but it's like prior to when, um, cell phones were like prevalent and everyone had it up their ass and stuff like now but there is some tech because he's got a laptop and yeah. has editing software and the cameras seem semi but yeah this seems like when i was in high school like what era this is taking place i think it's pretty modern honestly because like paxton talks a lot about how he's going like all mobile like he's going to be uploading his shit from the van and yeah. shit so yeah that's true but it just doesn't feel like, uh, and I guess uh, what the one thing I was reading on uh, Wikipedia here is that it said that the uh, the film was actually written in, or like an outline was written. Yeah, uh, Gilroy conceived the idea for Nightcrawler in 1988 after reading the photo book Naked City, a collection of photographs taken by American photographer Weege of 1940s New York City residents at night. So this script is probably this this script is probably dates back to like late definitely late eighties early nineties, and then had probably been rewritten yeah um, a few times and then modernized. So I think that's why it uh, can't fucking find its like time period very well and seems to be all over the place because it's you know written you know late 80s originally conceived so yeah and i think dan gilroy had been a writer for a long time and i think this was like the first movie or maybe the second movie he directed but he, he i mean he's awesome either way but like yeah yeah i'm not familiar with him i'm he's definitely up there like and uh now you know i know who he is and everything but yeah i'm not was not familiar with his work i just know this is this is definitely groundbreaking uh film in my in my uh opinion so I thought his I thought his brother was the Tony Gilroy guy who does all the Star Wars bullshit now. Yeah, it says produced by Tony Gilroy yeah. here. He's the producer on this film, yeah. uh, well as well as uh, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. But like, 
both Jake and Maggie seem to be anytime they're involved in a project, they're like, oh, we're the producers. Because yeah. I know Maggie is the producer on the used, uh, television show for HBO. Um, I don't know if that's just they're smart and they know they're going to make a lot. Maybe they go like maybe they do the film for less as far as like pay, but they get more later. Yeah, yeah, they get more later and stuff like that, uh, which is smart. I think you know I think that is a smart way to go and. Uh, I appreciate actors that aren't like, no, just give me the 10 million or the 20 million now. Like, yeah. uh, like a Leo, like Leo, uh, he, he is paid like what? 10, 20 million per picture. Oh, he, gets him. he gets back in though too, baby. Cause he got Appy and way he's producing as well. So, yeah. So he's greedy and wants like all that up front. And then he wants the, 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 uh, percentages. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. Um, man, it sounds like you're rolling around in a lightsaber chamber from uh it's like i'm not even it's not even uh okay hold on let me switch the headphones out baby okay i appreciate it i'm gonna put you on mute you go ahead and lead the way and um, i'll see if i can uh correct this uh i would love that thank you so much but yeah like i like it like this movie like you have to kind of see it several times i saw it twice in the theater and then i haven't seen it till we did this right now but, uh, like, I love the shot where it shows the satellite dish on top of Jake Gyllenhaal's shitty uh, uh, apartment. And then, like, it, it, it even does a shot of, like, the wiring coming down to it and it's jacked into a splitter. So it's almost like maybe he's stealing his fucking neighbor's direct TV. <laughs> like, it's pretty fucking awesome. But it's, like, little details like that. And uh, he's, he's, he's kind of got, like, a, I mean, it's a shitty apartment, but it's, like, he keeps it very clean. He hardly owns anything. Like, they, you know, they do the shots around his apartment, the little still shots. show he's only, he only owns, like, maybe three shirts, two pairs of pants, whatever. He's, like, one of those guys. He's got a very neat, tiny little bed. It's almost like a fucking cot in the corner. So it's, like, it's, it's very, like, almost, I don't know, like, uh, like, Bat was saying, like, this is almost like a modern-day taxi driver, like, his character Lou Bloom, it's like he's very kind of controlling in terms of like internal, like what's going on inside him, and then what he chooses to kind of, you know, let out and let other people see of him and shit. And like it's just a very fascinating uh, character. And like right here, he's he's at Venice Beach. He puts his hair up into a man bun to try to look a certain way, like a certain type of guy, and he just goes and steals a bicycle. And then you see him in the pawn shop and he's like rattling off all these fake facts about the carbon aluminum frame. It's lightweight space age, space age carbon frame, handlebars position to put the rider in a more aerodynamic position. Micro shifters, 37 gears, weighs under six pounds. And he says he won the tour to Mexico on it. And he's like, just telling this pawn shop, and the guy's like, I'll give you 700 bucks. He's like, it cost me 8,000 new. And like, finally, he, you know, he, uh, he barters him up to a while and he's like, and give me some store credit so he can buy a shitty video camera. Cause, uh, I guess we didn't really talk about it, but he witnessed a, a car wreck and Bill Paxton came was filming it to get some news footage to go sell to the news station. So right off the bat, he's already picking up on a new scam. Like he realizes it was a dead end with the, uh, stealing the, the pipe and the fucking uh, fences and shit. And like already he's thinking like, Oh, I can do this now. You know, just get a, a police scanner, a shitty video camera, and I can go all up. And, and really, like, what the movie um, kind of, uh, uh, you know, puts to you is is just, like, basically he's going to excel in this thing of being a nightcrawler. Nightcrawler is a term for 
the, the they're basically paparazzis but instead of like getting famous people they're getting like footage for the news in the morning like all the grizzly shit the shootings the car wrecks all that kind of thing and they're going to do it and then and then basically like they just go in and sell it to the news station you know some of them like get bidding wars like jake gyllenhaal like i guess for the simplicity of the movie and uh kind of get him into the uh relationship with renee russo he just always goes to the same station and uh he wants to you know get a relationship there with that station and you know get going but uh yeah it's like it's kind of funny because he just pulls up like they're arresting these guys he pulls up he like almost hits the guy on the curb and he just starts videotaping and the cops are like what the fuck are you doing get the fuck back get out of here so like it's kind of funny like this whole nightcrawler thing is like you kind of have to like you have to be ballsy and you have to go get up into these grisly crime scenes and all this shit and film. And meanwhile, the cops, like, they don't want you there. And, like, Jake Gyllenhaal is just clueless. Like, he's literally getting, like, inches from the face of the people getting arrested and shit. Yeah. Um, oh, oh, by the way, how's this sound now? It sounds much is better. better? It, sounds, it sounds a little bit yeah. different, but I don't I don't hear the lightsaber rebelling. When I was a Yeah, these... This uh, set of earbuds, actually, that's why I don't like it because I'm. I know it sounds different, but um, I think those ones bit the dust. I think that we. I think there was something wrong with the. There's probably a channel. You, you sound diamond. perfect now, BB. You sound like you got yeah. a professional microphone. It's way better. Maybe. Yeah, maybe last time we used these, and I just because it's been a little while yeah. uh, since we did uh, since I did a show with you, so I, I guess I forgot. I need to make a note to just. I really like the other ones. They're like yeah. uh, these fucking lime green ones, and I just like how they fit. And um, I've heard myself on this set, and I don't like. I don't think the mics are strong, but uh, hey, like, it works. It sounds a little flatter, but there's like zero yeah. background noise. Right. Whereas before, yeah, before it sounded like you were hit a toy lightsaber and you're just swinging it the whole time. <laughs> that is that's a channel dying. And that's it, it, exactly yeah, if it. if it only like happened like every minute or two, I probably would have like let it go. But it was like fuck, I could yeah. I could barely hear what you're saying at some point. It was like. <laughs> <laughs> I, I apologize to your listeners. The yeah, torture. Sorry, them listen, about but, but I think we got it fixed about. 10 minutes in you know so hopefully, yeah. yeah well i you know the thing is like i can't hear that and i yeah. don't unless you tell me i've had a i've had these earbuds die or have problems yeah. and then everyone usually is like hey there's something fucked up with them before we start rolling well, what, and what's, so what's weird to, to to peel back the fourth wall whatever is like me and bat talked for about 45 minutes before and like i never heard that shit so it was like yeah it was only like when you went inside or like whatever happened when we started recording so we apologize for that we didn't we didn't know yeah. that problem was going to pop up so yeah it's and that's why i keep a secondary pair around and i try to yeah. buy like i don't know they're really cheap now with the microphone built in but really what i need to do is get a professional microphone but shit what do i do this every once in a while i don't yeah. even run a podcast my own don't, my own don't worry bb so. we gotta we gotta assure the listeners this this podcast will be sounding very professional very soon because me and bat <laughs> we are spending all our money buying lottery tickets and it's only a matter of time before one yeah. of us hits a big we'll have a studio yeah because we'll you know i've been on studio. vacation bat i was like and yeah. i'm not i'm like I'm, I'm like i'm not going to red lobster i'm not going to movies i'm not doing all that horse shit so i was like <laughs> You know, like if I went out to eat, it would probably set me back a good 40, 50 bucks like each week if I went once mm -hmm. a week. So I was like, I'm going to put that money in the lottery tickets. 
<laughs> so you're buying forty, fifty dollars worth of lottery tickets, dude. Because the jackpots were high the last week. Yeah, I was doing both Powerball and Mega Millions at the same time. Baby. I've done that before every every day, and mm-hmm. no, I've cut back on my. I have I played the lottery. I played the Mega Millions the other day, and um, yeah, I just bought like one wrong one one ticket i didn't get like crazy i'm just like ah i've been doing five and they're two dollars each so i've been dropping ten dollars yep. a ticket and i've yeah, been doing it two do three times jackpot a week. gets yeah gets close to the billions then i'm like all right i'm going all out and like um that last i think it was it mega millions where the yeah. or was it yeah where it was like super fucking high we were, I was, like, we, literally we were every day it. yeah it was like two billion twenty 20 a crack dude yeah. like um tickets actually because i was like i gotta win my way out of poverty yeah that's pretty much where <laughs> i'm at too like me I'm, I'm not so much in the poverty as much as like i hate living in the city and like if yeah. if and the only reason i'm in this city is because i have to stay in the state for my job and i'm like you want to leave your job you want to be able to leave yeah. your job and come back to the midwest right i baby? do i do i want to be in cincinnati <laughs> baby yeah. I want to be down on the river with the river rats. Dude, that would be cool because, like, uh, be. Motor City Nightmares has been doing yeah. a bunch of, you know, getting a bunch of good guests and this year and then last year. And then, shit, I've been thinking, like, dude, they got um, Christine Romero at the Living Dead Week, and mm-hmm. then now I got a decent car. I'm thinking, like, it's in June, I think, though, so I might not. But, like, they, they get, like, they're getting so many Dawn of the Dead cast members and, like, all, like, bit players and stuff. And I'm like, Man, I want to go down to that. I want to go down to Monroeville to the Dude, mall. I, I've been I was, there once before. I was looking at a map <laughs> last night or the other night, and you know my boy. I don't know if you know my boy Zeke Patton from Hillbilly DVD Reviews. My one buddy. Uh, I'm not sure. Has he done? He looks a on, lot like uh, Tom Cruise. Oh okay. He, he, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, dude, he he lives up there in northern Ohio. He's he. I mean, granted, I have to figure out on the map, but like he lives within driving distance of Monroeville, so oh, okay. he kind of lives yeah. on the Ohio Pits, uh, Pennsylvania border. So oh yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. I went to Monroeville in '99 when um, uh, the wood grain was, the elevator was still in J.C. Penney's, and the wood grain yeah. uh, was still in there and stuff. And um, I know they pulled the elevator out, and it's like a display. Yeah, and there's like a museum now, like a Living Dead museum. And, um, of course there's that bust of George, but yeah, I went 99 when I was like, I don't know, 12 or 13 with my mm. family and, uh, the pillars were still there and a lot of the tile, all the tile was still original. It looked other than like, um, the, uh, skating rink had been turned into the food court and, uh, that clock tower thing wasn't there. It was actually replaced by a rock climbing wall at the time. But it was pretty close to what it looked like in 1977, 78. Right. So now I hear it's like drastically different. They've done some serious remodeling. Yeah, I'm, and I'm weird with Moreauville because I'm kind of like, I'm kind of like, uh, like, do I even go now because everything's so different? You know what I mean? But I like, I gotta at least go well, once to say that like I've been the there. The Living Dead weekend, and like, I guess the recently too, I follow this thing, and like, um, a bunch of people were into going to the airport. Mm-hmm. And apparently some, like, there's been problems. They were going to, they were trying to sell the land and they were going to tear all the buildings down. And it's like, I think like uh, a couple of months ago was like the last plane fueled up there and it's officially closed. But some kids or someone got in there, crack it or something and caught a fire in it and like almost burned the building down. Oh, shit. Like they just had like a month ago, they just had a fire in there and it like burned pretty, it was already pretty bad. Like there's black mold and shit growing in there and stuff. 
And uh, but like, look at the perks of going down there, man. You're not far from um, Evansville and going to the Evansville Cemetery. Um, obviously, the yeah, I always wanted to make it down there again to go to the airport because back in '99, it was not discovered. No, it wasn't. Yeah, people didn't know where it was. And um, I've seen websites where people always... did it in like way early yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I think that uh, the guys from Profondo, uh, Jay Scott and and Axel, have uh, been. It went on like one of the first when they first did a tour or some shit there or whatever. But yeah, no, I was like looking at that and I, you know, I'm like, man, I'm, I want to go down. I didn't get to go to the Motor City Con either uh, when they had the Dawn of the Dead reunion um, last year just because of it wasn't even money wise. It was um, scheduling yeah. stuff and like, I don't know, a bunch of stuff came up. So there's a couple like, um, there's a couple modern movies like Adventureland and Perks of Being a Wallflower that take place in Monroeville. And like, uh, I know Adventureland they draw, drive by the mall, but like, yeah, there's always references to it and like even newer shit. Interestingly enough, um, Stephen King based the layout uh, for the town in Christine. Uh, he wrote Christine. He was like living. I don't know if it had to do with um, him working on. I think it had to do with him working on Creep Show. Yeah. And, and working on the script and or like because I think he 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 like did drafts or something and then George took them and then because I know he co-wrote uh, quite heavily and was involved with Creepshow and he worked on Night Riders he's in Night Riders he's of course in Creepshow he's in Creepshow too yeah um, so I don't know why he was exactly living in Monroeville but I think it had to do with because there was other film productions that he was doing with like Romero and they were trying to develop um, adaptions of, of, of King's work for Romero to direct. Well, well, you, I think the stand was one of them. He was working, uh, Romero was working on a script. So yeah, did you ever hear, there's this one interview, I can't remember what it's on, but it's on some DVD or something. I own where Romero talks about that time where him and King were trying to like get their film shit. And they went, mm -hmm. they were in a limo and they, the limousine and they, they went hours and hours to get to this thing. And there was a snowstorm and they barely got there. And like, they sat down and like the guys, like, like they didn't even offer them anything to drink. Like George is like, they didn't even offer us a can of beer. Like George goes to a business meeting. He thinks they're going to hand out canned beer. Like that's what's so awesome about right. George. And he said, these guys just like gave him like this shitty 20 minute meeting. And they were like. They're like they offered him something terrible. Like they offered him like half a million dollars to make a movie, and like he was saying, like I, I'm sitting there with Stephen King in the office, and fucking Stephen King could buy this company if he wants to, and they're right. offering us like half a million dollars to go make a movie. It was pretty much a waste of trip. Yeah. Stuff, so I think yeah. it was during that time period he probably lived in Monroeville yeah. with him and Romero were trying to get all that shit off the ground. Yeah, he. Yeah, I know he, they were trying to develop a bunch of different stuff and work on stuff. So, but yeah, while he was there, he wrote um, Christine, and so like the whole yeah, the whole town is actually based on. And Christine is based on Monroeville and stuff. Which we stayed like me and my family stayed there in '99. Uh, we stayed one night there, and it's like really hilly. I don't, you know, I don't know how much of Pennsylvania I've been to, but like really, I, just remember Monroeville I don't think was, I've unless yeah, I was, drove through on the way to like uh, Toronto or whatever. Like I don't really remember driving through Pennsylvania. Yeah, um, it's really hilly, and like I don't know. I would guess I've never been out to San Francisco, but I would uh, probably compare it to that. Frisco so. blows, dude. <laughs> But it's really hilly out there, though, right? In, in yeah, San it's, it's, it's insane. Yeah. Like, I went, like, whenever it was, like, right before the pandemic started, I went to some San Francisco Giant games out there. 
and like we took one way which is like just kind of going across the bay like on the outskirts of the bay and that was fine but there was like we took these one directions on for we went to two games in a row it was like back-to-back days and then one day we went through the hills man oh my god dude that was horrible driving up them fucking hills yeah i, I would imagine and then having to park too and like yeah. well you can see it in like um you could see it quite heavily in uh, uh, to Braddock, uh, the town that Martin was shot in. Yeah. You could tell in those scenes when he's like hanging out with that uh, fucking housewife and stuff um, yeah. that they're like in a lot of hilly areas. So Braddock was like uh, very hilly. So um, yeah, I'm guessing a lot of a lot of Pennsylvania. Like I maybe I've been through it when I was like a kid. We went down to Florida or something or. I don't know. We went through it maybe back in like the mid nineties, uh, then took a detour through there. So like I've been through Pennsylvania a couple times, been to Pennsylvania a couple times, but, um, yeah, I'd like, I'd like to go back and really, I want to see the Evansville cemetery yeah, and stuff too. like that. And not only that Evansville, like, uh, cause I was watching the, uh, crazies and it, it actually was shot in Evansville, which I didn't, I mean, it makes sense. Cause they're like the Evansville's fire department, but it's like, uh, actually shot in Evansville. So like if you go to the Evansville cemetery, you could just go to Evansville too and check out all the night or the, the, uh, crazies locations too, as well yeah. around there, are like a lot of the outdoor ones and stuff. So, um, that, and that... they used to hold the living dead weekend there apparently in Evansville before they moved it to, uh, the Monroeville mall. So, yeah, that'll be the first thing, the first vacation I take when I win the lottery. And, and, you know, once I get settled in and get my house and all my shit moved in Cincinnati, I'll drive up. That'll be the first vacation. I'll meet you in Evansville. I'll go look at all that yeah. shit. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, yeah, man. I don't, you know, I don't know if it's going to be this year that I'm going to, I've been thinking about it. Because uh, the tickets are really cheap to go out for like one day. And then, like, I figured I was like, okay, I can go, I could go to like Living Dead Weekend for one day. And just get all the stuff I want to get signed. And then I'll stay down there for the weekend, maybe even sleep in the car, and then like ride up to Evansville and go hit the cemetery. And then maybe even find out how close Braddock is and see if I can find the Martin house. Yeah. Uh, If it it still exists. I know it's Tony, it was Tony Booba's uh, grandma's house. Yeah. Um, and it, I, there, Tony Boob is still alive, so I wonder if he inherited it. I thought there was. I thought still. they said there was a fire there a couple years ago, but I didn't think the house completely burned down. Oh, you know what? I re- I think I remember hearing about that. I wonder if you know the. I was going to tell you the. I know you didn't buy. I know you didn't uh, pick it up. Uh, but the uh, second sight Martin 4K, fucking delayed. It's supposed to like. Are you I guess it's supposed to get dropped. Um, 28th this month or something mm-hmm. i got pushed back a month so i still yeah, haven't gotten that fucking thing no it's cool i'm glad to get it and like dude i mean the way i look at it like i've got the 4k like that's it like i don't you know and i think it's shot on 16 millimeter so he, this is the end format for this film like i don't yeah. need to worry about Ooh, 8k yeah no i'm not no 16 millimeter films. i'm not buying any of them uh any higher than 4k like there's no reason i think the math divides more evenly i'm gonna wait for 16k for the 16 millimeter (laughs) you haven't even picked up the texas chainsaw massacre 4k from second sight or dark sky yet and i never will bb i love those blue really yeah i love those i'm serious like we when we did that show like i was kicking around the original um 
Dark Sky Blu-ray, and then uh, right before Toby died, my dad got through, I think it was through Tom Holland, actually, my dad got me the Toby signed 40th whatever 4K remaster, and, like, those uh, look good to me, from? dude. Is that the uh, Turbine? No, those are both the Dark Skies. The original... No, but you have a 4K, you said you have a 4K? No, I just have the, it's the 4K, remember they did that 4K remaster? Oh, uh, 4K transfer yeah. for, yeah. But it's regular what, Yeah, I've got that. Yeah. yeah. Which uh, Turbine's the only one so far that originally had put out a 4K. I think it's a Steelbook or something like that. Three, two years ago maybe. And uh, now I think Dark Sky. I think basically Second Sight is was licensing it from Dark Sky for the uh, UK release because mm-hmm. they're both putting them out at the same, pretty much the same time. And I think i think it's stupid that they did that at the same time i really mainly for second sight because second sight would have eaten off all that u.s um demand yeah 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 like now people are gonna be like i'm just gonna get the dark sky plus the dark sky release came out before like the second sight one's not even out yet this ain't movie hoarders baby we need to talk about nightcrawler so so, yeah so so he he sold the footage (laughs) he have a car wreck i think it was to um Rene Russo, the station, and then he hired his employee, his boy Rick, who's homeless. Yep. Living in a storage unit. Yeah, living in a storage unit. Riz Ahmed, this was his ascent to fame. And then his, bro- no, no. Then his brother, Tony, made uh, Rogue One and then put Riz Ahmed in that, too. Yeah, I, I didn't like Rogue One. That's where I did see this guy before, though. Yeah. And now I'm like, no, I'm like, where did I see, uh, um, what's his, Rick? Rick, yeah. right, is yeah. his partner. Rick. But um, I don't know if we, because we got to talking and I wasn't paying attention, but there was this part that I wanted, I don't know if it's already happened or not, but I'm just going to, I think it might be coming up, might be when he upgrades or whatever, but there's this great scene where we've got some symbolism, and I've noticed this before, even before yesterday's viewing, because I've seen it, like I said, 30, 40 times, is the scene where um, I, he's like, nego- is he negotiating with uh, Russo's character? And uh, he's standing there, and it's got the uh, Channel 6 logo, but it's on the screen, and there's, like, three screens. And he's standing there, and she's st- it's on her side, too, and it says 666. Mm. Did you notice that? Did you pick up on that? Like, I did both, notice like, that with, with, they're the, both with the things. Yeah. yeah. There is a lot of borderline. So I think that borderline. was intentional, uh, obviously, and that, that fucking Channel 6 is evil. Yeah. And, uh, you know, of course, they the, show the, the bloodiest shit compared to the other news channels. Yeah. Right. And, uh, Hall's character here is like some kind of, he's, it's clear we get some more later on, but it's clear that this guy is like, got some serious mental illness. We even get that where, um, him and Rick are talking about, uh, people and how he doesn't fucking understand people and stuff. It's cause he's like, um, got a he's like a sociopath or whatever he's a with like a nar- yeah. yeah narcissistic personality disorder going on and stuff and like yeah pretty much we get that it's like it, it, i don't even think this guy wants to hide it like he i don't even think maybe he's not even aware but he doesn't seem to care that people know you know know that there's something wrong with him well he's just um, very direct he's in it for himself. He, he, there's a yeah. lot like i was saying before when you're gone for a second it, it seems like there's a lot going on internally with him but externally mm-hmm. he only shows a certain amount and he only reveals yeah. a certain amount of information subdued at time. Yeah. yeah very subdued um we get his like so where he starts um right here this scene is where he starts like um he decides that he wants to get the best footage so he's kind of like this is the start of him starting to like uh orchestrate 
Yeah. Uh, he, some of the stuff. He starts and... actually sneaking into the crime mm-hmm. scenes and then moving evidence around to get better shots. Yep. Yeah. But, uh, and this is just the start. And he of, gets very uh, cinematic shots too. Like that's why his shit right. like is so good. But I like when he started doing the Gary Busey shit in the car. We should say too, he got his he upgraded his car to a Dodge Challenger so he could drive a SRT so he could drive fast through the city to get to the crime scene. But he quicker. hasn't done that yet, right? He's no, still they're they're, they're in the Challenger thing. already. Oh, they are yeah. okay. Uh, yeah. So, but um, other thing, I don't know if you brought it up. While uh, you probably did bring up slightly is that i i brought up how this film is very much like um taxi driver but it's also like especially early on the first half of this film uh when he starts getting into uh like going and filming stuff it's much it's very much like crash too as well david cronenberg's crash um like he's not like they're not getting sexually aroused by Mm -hmm. it but like there is some serious fascination here and it's very reminiscent some morbid curiosity yeah, it's more so like this guy, and especially when he starts um, uh, trying to hook up with Rene Russo's character, it's very much like um, Travis Bickle and uh, what is it? Um, what's her name in uh, the girl? Civil the girl Shepherd, that works for yeah. Civil Shepherd. Yeah. Well, I can't remember her character's yeah, name, but um, yeah, it's Civil Shepherd's important. character, except minus he doesn't try to. He takes her out to dinner in this. Uh, obviously, there's no more porno theaters left in uh, in L.A. <laughs> Well, I don't even think he would bother with the Jake Gyllenhaal's character. He wouldn't even bother with the romance of the porno theater either, because he he proposes the relationship to her that basically either we start a a a mutual sexual relationship. Um, Here it is with the six six six. Yeah, the six six six. Yeah, and this is dude. This isn't by accident. Like, why would you have three screens? And look, even he's looking at the screens and stuff. And of course, yeah, they're both standing and they're both like. She's in the middle of this other batch of them, but they're both standing by the 666 like it's a match made in hell here. And it really is. One thing I wanted to point out was I loved, it was, um, he starts doing that Gary Busey shit uh, when he's talking to Rick in the car of uh, making up fake acronyms and shit. And he, t- he tells Rick, do you know what fear stands for? False evidence appearing real. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, it's it goes back to that scene where he's uh, selling the bike in the bike shop where he's like making yeah. up shit and sounding like carbon he's smarter space than he really frame, is. Yeah, yeah. He, and I, I don't know. He sold me on that. Like he, I thought he actually must have done some kind of research. But like, how did he have time to do the research on the bike or whatever in between stealing it and taking it over the pawn shop? And I never see him break out a cell phone or anything. So like, it's not like no. he just like googled the specs on the i think he's just smart because they do show that he has a laptop at his place i think he just like Mm -hmm. he's constantly reading shit and uh, because like i was saying he was sitting at the beach and like you think he's just sitting there like basically looking at the ocean like oh maybe this is a character moment but he's sitting near the bike rack waiting for somebody to take one of those expensive bikes there and he just gets it they don't even show him taking it but he gets up and walks towards it and then next thing you know he's in the pawn shop with the bike so yeah, it makes you wonder if there was like maybe some cut footage where he actually like, steals the bike and rides off with it or whatever. Well, same so. too. Is they never show him buying the Challenger. It's just it's just like That's true. he does the first night with Rick in his old shitty car, and then like then it just cuts to them at the gas station. And he's filling it up like the next night, and he bitches at him about um, getting the gasoline on the the uh, paint, filling it on the paint, <laughs> yeah. and that's going to eat the paint. And shit. Yeah, it's going to decrease the value of the car. 
Yeah. I love this scene too where he where he's in the news station and she walks away and he just sits at the news desk. Like look at him, like he's so fucking insane. Which we should say Jake Gyllenhaal, I can't remember if he did Southwall before or after this, but there was some movie he did before this and just in general, Jake Gyllenhaal was very buff. And uh, he actually starved himself down for a couple months to get skinny. And he said it helped his performance because, like, not only did it make his eyes bugged out, but he said he was getting this weird, like, he constant energy. Like, once he got starved down and he was thin, he couldn't, like, sit still anymore. It gave him, like, a wiry energy. Like, you can see it in mm-hmm. this scene here where he's holding the camcorder. His eyes are just bugging out and he's jittery <laughs> as fuck. I just think like, he just gets into this. Man, he's just like, uh, like I said. If he didn't get a nomination, and obviously he probably didn't win the Academy Award for this performance. No, I was looking at the list of awards. They were all very minor, like uh, Critics' Choice Awards, uh, Austin Film Critics Awards. Like, um, seems like it just just the film itself was an Oscar nominee, but not him in particular. So, yeah, I'm looking on uh, looking on Wikipedia, and I haven't. I never got. I should have read a little bit on this, but. Yeah, I don't see that they it really yeah won any serious awards or anything, and I don't I just don't understand that I I don't yeah. I, I, I just know. well because how you were saying bat your um your Blu-ray or your your thing has the open road, open road yeah. would distribute co-distribute with Universal and it was always independent movies and they never had like good marketing so like they just probably didn't have the good Oscar campaign to beg for it you know what I mean right. Um, yeah, that's what I was kind of thinking, but like, no, I, think I think it was critically, I think, I think there still are in the shitty car cause they show him driving around my bed. Yeah. I thought they already were at the gate. Maybe they were just at the gas station with the shitty car, but, uh, let's see. Okay. Now, now, now they now have the challenge. Yeah. This is it. Now just all there. of a sudden they're at the gas station, yep. the challenger. I don't no, know why I thought they were in it before. Sweet challenger too. Yeah, I was like, I was like, oh, they missed something or is mine? I know it's gotta be cause we're syncing it up to that, um, production logo that i don't know that i was i i might be like a millisecond behind you or yeah. whatever like obviously we're not right exactly yeah but uh i was like i can't be that far behind so i think i think people who are fans of american psycho would love this movie too because oh yeah because absolutely like when he talks to his employee and he always talks about business plans and uh, uh you mm-hmm. know like he talks in very technical terms and it's obviously all 100 percent bullshit just like patrick bateman and american psycho well, there's like a there's been a study on like businessmen and people that work um, on the stock market and just people in general, and most of them have narcissistic personality disorder and are like a sociopath. Mm-hmm. And it like takes and then like not only that, people that are in like involved with media and like um, newscasters and anchors and stuff like that, they're all like a score score pretty high on um, the narcissistic personality tests. Yeah. So, like, you know, um, this type of work, like, here fits him, I guess. Like, he's found yeah. his niche his in, and uh, yeah, yeah. And so, like, in business, and too, like, businessmen, like, that's not uncommon or whatever. So, Patrick Bateman and, like, um, uh, you know, this character, Lou character, yeah, I mean, like, because they have this type of uh, illness or whatever, it's not uncommon for them to be. Yeah in business for themselves and you know like we get later on paxton's trying to offer him that gig or whatever and he even says like i'm more comfortable working with my own business and stuff like that so i gotta say too like literally like 80 percent of the um of the driving shots of the of the of them driving through and like just the the, the street going by 
they're all on the same street. I hate to break it to you, but it is it was up the street from where I used to live, and uh, they drive past. And so much shit has filmed there, like a big chunk of Pineapple well, Express in, was filmed there. There, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, but I was just gonna say it's it's like uh, camera. I think it's Coldwater Canyon, and like if just yeah. look just look for the IHOP sign. They drive by the IHOP I used to eat at like literally like six times in this movie. But um, were you living there when um? When they when they when they filmed this, not this, but I was living there when they filmed Pineapple Express. Yeah. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. There was a bunch of street scenes and stuff. So you saw them filming that then? Yeah. Yeah. Like, this came out in 2014. You weren't living there in 2014. No, I moved. 20, I moved in 20. In well, I moved in 2011, but that area, like, I moved away from in 2009. So from 04 to for five years, I lived on pretty much that street. Oh okay. Yeah. Yeah, so I saw that shit. And like the video store. Damn, baby, Electro's at your house now. Um, What's up? There was like a buzzing sound. It sounded like electricity. It was weird. But um, huh. yeah, like the video store uh, that was like literally on this, like I used to walk by because I used to go to the Polo Loco. I walked by there one day and like they're filming. I'm like, what are they filming for? And then like a couple months, well, probably like eight months later, that movie Benchwarmers came out, and it was like the video store that uh, David Spade worked at in there. I was like, oh, that's what they were filming there that day. If I would have known, I would have fucking like snuck in the back, like our boy Lou Bloom, and hung out with Napoleon Dynamite or something. I never saw that movie, so it's not worth seeing, baby. I didn't think so. <laughs> I saw the. I think I saw the trailer for it's it. It's not so. good. It's it's one of those limp dick PG thirteen comedies. It's not, it's, now, it's not a Kino like Nightcrawler. Now, in a, in a minute, we get this scene. Um, it looks like the same area that No Man's Land when um, yes. uh, Sheen goes and picks up the uh, picks up dude in the you know fixes his car. Or, it um, is. Yeah, it's it's Mulholland because it's one of the few places yeah. that have those street lamps like that. And plus, obviously, like just honestly, like when he when he does the dangerous pass in front of the car, I'm yeah. like, this no man's lamp. It's it like, that's like the identical fucking breakneck corner. But that they did the dangerous where they almost hit the other car. If if you look at 1940s <laughs> and 1950s movies shot in Los Angeles, almost all the driving scenes are up on Mulholland. It's weird, and it's just always because you could always see the city off the side, right? Yeah. And that's what they want, yeah. too, yeah. I think there was some scenes, maybe, I'll have to think back. I'm, I'm guessing, because uh, that's, like, uh, where some of the Manson family stuff was going on. But wasn't Once Upon a Time, wasn't there some Mulholland yeah. stuff shot up there yeah. in that film, too? Yeah. For sure. I think it was when Pitt was driving. But, I mean, just so, I mean, obviously, Mulholland Drive, the David Lynch film, there's a lot of oh, there. Yeah. And that's actually up there. That's got to be uh blue velvet and like mm. i always i i always i always bring up that film as being one of my favorites i'm not an eraser head fan i think i, I don't think like, i've even unless it was like so. on ifc one time i don't even know if i've seen the rest racer head all the way through it was on ifc and that's where yeah. i originally seen it and i'm like okay this is cool like so I'm, so this is like weird so i'm supposed to like like this because yeah. it's for the sake of it being weird and then like i watch it again and i'm like i don't give a fuck like I don't, I don't care if like if it's uncool because like I don't get like I don't get it or whatever. Like I don't, what's there to get? Like I don't. Yeah, know like I gotta say, on. I gotta say, for me, David Lynch, it's it's all about Blue Velvet, Dune, and Lost Highway, and the rest I could give a fuck about. 
Yeah, on your recommendation, I did sit down and like um, watch. I don't know if I, I got through it all because I think I put it on late. And I was I tried to watch Lost Highway, and I don't know. I mean, I need to give another chance. Like I don't remember watching the ending or whatever. Oh, it's so, so awesome! The ending. I'll baby. have to go revisit it. Yeah, but um, no, man. Like it seemed good. It didn't seem better. Like I don't know. Mu Holland's got like is got all this weird shit rolled into it, and like these weird scene, like the one with the homeless person. Like that's always just like. I don't know by the dumpster or whatever in that one is like just fucking weird. Uh, yeah, I got a copy of it, but the thing that bothers me about Mulholland Baby is like it's so obvious like that they filmed it as a pilot and then they're like, oh, like let's just make it a movie let's and then, more- and then they added yeah. on some more shit later. I love the lesbian shit in it though. I mean, don't get me wrong. Yeah, like, no, it's I, awesome. think that's, I think that's the biggest draw. I saw it when it first came out. I rented it on um, VHS when it uh, when it first hit. Mm-hmm. and i just like because it was a right around when i was starting to get into david lynch and i watched all of his um short student films and stuff like that and uh yeah we get the great scene here with bill paxton um, yeah, trying to recruit him he had to come work this for him instead. I, said that yeah. I, I thought he looked real unhealthy like yeah. he'd been drink like drinking jack daniels all night like a fifth by himself every night for like the past 30 years well yeah i mean this might have been the area the time period where his heart was starting to shut down so. Yeah, he looks like fucking just like yeah. warmed up shit, dude. Like, yeah. God. Um, but yeah, no, I love this. I love that scene. Like, you gotta pick, you gotta pick that clip and be like, I'm a nightcrawl. That's a baby. I've been nightcrawl for 14 years. Yeah. Well, that's that's uh, probably why he looks like shit, baby. He's been nightcrawling right. for 14 years. Well, so I wanted to bring up that uh, HBO Max uh, in the description. They called these guys stringers. Yeah, they, were like they do nice call him that in the movie like, too. That's what it. That's what it's called as a stringer. Yeah, like, R- Renee Russo because like the guy, the producer guy is like, "Where'd you get this footage? It's too graphic." She's like, "I, I bought it from a stringer." I didn't notice that. I yeah. mean, I've seen this so many times. I guess I didn't notice that. I was like, "What the fuck?" It's only like tr- maybe twice they refer to them as stringers. Yeah, but they say it in the de- actual like description that like yeah like a stringer late night stringer and i'm like oh so that's there's actually a name for this which i i gotta i gotta say as somebody who lived in los angeles uh if lou bloom was driving around that car and a a a white guy who's not hideous looking like he would have girls asking him out yeah he he wouldn't be lonely he would have girl he would i i know from especially like i don't know how old he's supposed to be but like he would have girls asking him out seems like mid the late 30s maybe early 40s i was thinking his character yeah but no i think he's probably like 33 yeah Yeah, early to mid because he hasn't quite found his he's just now finding his niche in this world so yeah because it's 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 weird because when you're a um you know assuming you're not short and stubby and like ugly or whatever if 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 you're a you know a white guy of average height in uh, Los Angeles, you're you're actually kind of rare, so women will seek you out. So, oh, that's good to know. Yeah, Please. like 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 I went from you know having trouble getting dates in the Midwest to like literally uh, two weeks after I, I touched down, baby. <laughs> Girl, you were knee deep in the pussy. Jeez. Well, I, I mean, you know. I mean, granted, granted, I lived in an animal house and with other guys who were party animals. But like, yeah, like the the double date uh, it was crazy too. Because like these one girls, the girls like, I got a boyfriend. I'm living with a guy, but uh, me and my friend, we need to go out with you and your friend. I'm like, all right, and like, okay, like, okay, like, where are we going to do? Oh, let's go to Pasadena. 
I know a sex shop we can go into. So we're walking through, like, don't even fucking know these girls. It's like, oh, look at these dildos. I'm like, okay, like, I guess this is this is what it's like. Right. Sounds exciting. It was, but at the same time, it was. But I'll put it this way, baby. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. So this got this film did get like a ton of it got uh, nominations for Independent Spirit Award Best Feature. I don't know if it won. It didn't doesn't say it just it just says nominations. It doesn't say I'm just like looking at this list. It's got a lot of uh, nominations though. I don't see Academy Award though nomination for Best Picture, Satellite Award, Independent Spirit Award for Best Editing, Critics Choice Movie Award for best original screenplay yeah i don't know which one it won if any of it won okay let's see here list of accolades received by night uh received by nightcrawler uh let's see here it won okay this it won the american film institute award for top 10 movie of the year Mm. it won the austin film critics association award for best actor Best uh, first film and best original screenplay, and it won the Boston Society Film Critics uh, for best new filmmaker. And oh, it's got some more. Houston Film Credits Society best actor uh, Jake Gyllenhaal won for best actor that year. Uh, did win best picture uh, independent spirit award. So that's kind of a higher award. The Independent yeah. Spirit Awards, right? Yeah, that, um, that's probably like the. I would say that, like, not now. The Golden Globes have had a lot of scandal and weird shit, but at, at the time this movie came out, the top tier was Oscar, then Golden Globe, then Independent Spirit Award. Yeah, yeah, they won uh, uh, Independent Spirit Award for Best Screenplay too, as well. Yeah. Well, let's see here. I'm gonna see. Okay. Yeah, a lot of the awards that they won are just like rinky dink, like. Palm Springs International film, so like these little film festivals or whatever they won. We got to talk about this scene though, baby, like where he's at the Mexican restaurant with Rene Russo and he's talking about like, you knew me, like you won't keep your job if I take my footage elsewhere. So like he kind of talked about it before, but here he's really telling her like either you get a relationship with me or I'm taking my footage elsewhere and you're going to basically lose your job. He tells her you're you're the news director on uh, the vampire shift of the lowest rated station in Los Angeles. Like he's done his homework, baby. He knows the leverage he has. Yeah. And this uh, this uh, equation, he's he's basically forcing her into a business proposition of sex, basically. Yeah, well, he tells her too that he's like done the statistics on like uh, how much um, uh, local government and stuff they're covered, and he said that they pile it into what twenty twenty seven seconds. seconds. Yeah. yeah, and then like all of it is like murder and mayhem and crime, and then also he talks about how crimes like going down so like it's he's got something like special or whatever because there's not a lot of high crime so anytime he brings them crime footage it's like yeah it's like with like a diamond in the rough kind of thing so yeah but uh man this scene is particular because you know they got the close-ups and stuff from the meat and dinner you look at this scene jake gyllenhaal skinny out but you guys gotta say jeepers creepers where did jake gyllenhaal get those fucking peepers because they're huge mm. baby you can see the veins in his eyes popping out i guess i didn't really notice like you brought up about both him being skinnier and stuff yeah. like that and um i guess i really never 
notice too much. Like, uh, I guess, yeah, you now they bring it up. Like, he does look skinnier in this, but... Well, there's there's different, like, levels of it throughout the movie. I guess as they shot, he starved down. Like, that one scene I was talking about where he ran up on the crime scene, like, his jawbones were popping out. But it's weird. Yeah. Like, I remember when this came out, I guess because I was used to seeing him buff. Like, he looked anorexic to me when I first saw this movie. But, yeah, now when I watch it, he just kind of looks normal. Yeah, he does look normal. And if you, like... Um compare it to like what was this was it his first film or did he do some child acting uh with uh october sky seeing him donnie donnie darko yeah october sky was a little bit before that oh yeah yeah i'm sorry yeah and he was really slim in october sky too i'm sorry i forgot that but is i think a great he was like 15 or 16 in october sky though he was very young yeah he looks real young and he, well he's pretty young and i thought donnie darko came out before october sky i thought that was his first film but and he's pretty young in that i mean like, it's around he, the same time i think like I, I thought two he was like years. 16. Yeah, in uh, Donnie Darko. He looks like he's 16. Yeah. I love Donnie Darko. I remember I was working at the video store and I rented it and like it was like a movie nobody knew about and I just fell in love with it instantly. And that and, and by the way, Donnie Darko fans never watch the director's cut. It's shit. They change the music and they get in a bunch of lame ass CGI and they overly explain it that it's just God doing everything the whole time. <laughs> And so the director, director so cuts director wanted. Huh? Yeah, because he, he's super Christian. Mm -hmm. So just watch the original, because the original version that fucking Drew Barrymore produced. Like, yeah, it's better. Yeah, I didn't see it till years after it came out, and um, that's because I remember when it came out, but I just was like, I don't know. I, yeah, I remember, like, like when it came out, and it was so underground, and then, like, about a year or two after I moved to L.A., they did the big release, the director's cut, and everybody, like, all the hipsters were, like, couldn't wait to go see it in the theater, and I, yeah. I didn't see it. I yeah. saw it on video. I'm like, this director's cut ruins the fucking movie. It over-explains too much. Like, you understand from the theatrical cut. You understand, like, you kind of draw your own conclusions, but you understand what happened. It's not like a fucking David Lynch movie or anything, you know what I mean? It feels like that. It, it, it's funny you bring up that me like bring up David Lynch or whatever because I get some like Lynchian vibes from it, but not quite in your face, but like just some. Um, uh, I don't know, like like you can see that like definitely Lynch may have had some uh, inspiration on on the filmmakers and stuff. So, by the way, who's your favorite Lynch? Bat David Lynch, the film director; Jane Lynch, the comedian actress; or George Lynch, the guitar player. I would probably have to be David Lynch. I mean, I'm yeah, like a huge too. film buff and stuff. So, um, they, like, he's not my favorite filmmaker. He's like, not, I always, I always wanted to see. Like, I don't think it's gonna happen because like Cronenberg's so GQ right now. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know, clothing model, fucking whatever, putting out handbags or whatever. Like, yeah, I don't know, he's but... he's got. I mean, he's always been a great looking guy <laughs> with mostly white hair, but it's very thick and he quaffs it up in a very striking style. But like, yeah, David uh, David Cronenberg's doing uh, fashion modeling now. So yeah, well, I always wanted to see him work on a, pro a film project together because, like, I just feel like I don't know, like these guys, like we're our brothers from another mother they were like birthed from the same fucking science fiction alien mutant from outer space like the filmmaking um womb <laughs> the weirdo yeah. filmmaking womb. it's like, like the, the but it's not even the womb it's like the abortion pale is what they came out of. i don't yeah i don't know exactly what but like they're they're i don't know like i brought this up and i'm just like yeah, their styles are like okay, so like what their content is similar and like weird. I don't know, it's weird. And then like their their execution is both unique 
But, like, they're very similar in this, like, um, atmosphere that they create of, like, dread and, like, I don't know. We get that when that dude, like, I've seen Lynch do this. Lynch is known for the style. But Cronenberg did it with Shivers where the dude's, like, watching that footage or watching, like, the, is it, like, um the closed circuit cameras yeah, or something building, he turns yeah. around slowly yeah. and it's like dude lynch has been doing that his whole fucking career with this creepy fucking just rando shot like thrown in there like what the fuck is this doing here you know um and so like i don't know i just like i said like i feel like and then maybe their egos would be too well probably cronenberg more so than uh lynch because lynch doesn't seem to have like an ego mm-hmm. uh too much but like i get you uh, gotta have some to be a film filmmaker and stuff like yeah. that but like i just feel like that would that's what would keep them from working on a project together you know what's but... funny though is like david lynch to me he obviously can't adapt which by the way i love his version of dune i know everybody whatever but like i just like to me dune only works if you do it as weird as possible the way he did but like Dave, which by the way we got to mention our boy uh speaking of david lynch our boy robert blake died the other day who was awesome in lost highway one of the one of my favorite scenes of any movie is when he fucking goes to Bill Pullman in that party. He's like he whips out a cell phone. He's like he's like call me. I'm at your house. He's like what? What are you talking about? You're here right now. He's no. I'm at your house. Call me. And he calls him. And, the, and Robert Blake is also on there. Like like that's some of the best fucking shit in any movie. But yeah, so, so yeah, I do recall that because uh, you took like you were hitting me to that uh, that film um, uh, around last last winter. Um, of 2021 into 2022 you were like oh i really like lost highway and i think newt was putting it over too and i'm like all right well it's like i've you know it's a lynch film that i know a lot of people recommend yeah we get the muholland yeah uh fucking drive and it is identical that bend right there is when um sheen yeah yeah sheen sheen and uh yeah which which, by the way let's thank the listeners real quick baby because no man's land was we talked about doing it for two years it's one of my favorite movies i always wanted to do it and but I didn't think anybody would have any interest. That was one of our better downloaded episodes. With, and plus, we rambled on for like an extra hour, so we did a three hour yeah. like version of it. it lots of downloads. So I want to thank the listeners. Thank you. Yeah, I want to thank you for having me on. And uh, oh, yeah, how we kind of kind of came together. It's always we're just chatting on something, and I'm like, yeah. I'll make a reference to a movie, and then go. It'll be like. I fucking love that movie. I didn't know anybody else loved that. Same thing on how we came on the Nightcrawler. Yeah. Uh, you were talking about wanting to pick up um, uh, this Mustang, and I was like, yeah, yeah you could create – I could see you now. You'll be out there like Nightcrawler meets Crash, and uh, next thing you know, your uh, Mustang seats will be covered in semen. Yeah, I could, I could get a police scanner on the weekends. I could drive yeah. around and film the shit because we have all kinds of shit happen here, maybe in Northern California. But, uh, yeah, that's kind of this week. We'll be chatting, joking around, and then we'll realize we both really uh, – I think the same thing happened with Buffalo 66. I made some oh, kind yeah. of reference. That was a that was a while back. That was over like a year ago. I made a reference to um, Buffalo 66, and you were like, I can't believe you love that movie. And, like, not a lot of people. I'm like, baby, I, I seen that when it hit home video it, immediately when it hit the shelves. And I was just like, what is this? And then just fell in love. Yeah, I told you, like, we used to go back, me and a buddy – a film friend we used to go back and just fucking rent that like every week we'd keep it for like a week and uh 
and binge it and then and we'd be like maybe a month later and be like yeah we gotta grab buffalo 66 again so (laughs) well dude buffalo 66 when we did it that's what transformed this podcast for 2023 it turned the movie graveyard into the champion of kino because we're all about kino now before we were all about popcorn munching and um uh pussy juice drinking but now we're just about pure kino what's that so i'm still about that too yeah i've always been into more um I don't want to say like respectable cinema, but yeah. like more like heat, more like class, some classy stuff. And like, oh, you turned me on to another Jake Gyllenhaal film, um, uh, Nocturnal Animals. Oh, yeah, baby. That's pretty we gotta, We got to cover that at some point, too. Which this movie, Nightcrawler, I was shocked to realize because uh, I feel like I just saw it a few years ago in the theater. I was shocked to realize it's 10 years old now. Oh, they're driving by the IHOP again right now. And they're, yep. and they're spinning yeah. the camera to try to not show the sign for the eighth time, but you can see it in the back here. But, um, yeah, but Nocturnal Animals has to be at least five years old now, so we yeah. we got to get on that. Because, again, Jake Gyllenhaal, man, I mean, he's just the fucking King Chad, driving by Smart and Final again, Chase Bank coming up. Jake Gyllenhaal just the King, which, by the way, Jake Gyllenhaal, I was going to say this, we were talking earlier when we were talking about his bug eyes, baby, is I was at a Laker game one time, and I had pretty decent seats. I want to say I had, like, 16th row seats, which... To, for a Laker oh, wow. game is pretty but I was able to score it because it was a single seat so sometimes you can get reasonable good seats if you just got one but um uh, uh sitting courtside like on the court was our boy Jeffrey Katzenberg who everybody knows used to run Disney and then he ran DreamWorks and then sitting in yeah. the middle was uh at the time his uh Jake's girlfriend Reese Witherspoon and then Jake was on the end and and uh, Katzenberg and Reese Witherspoon were basically looked like they were on a date. They were laughing and talking and blah, blah, blah. Jake Gyllenhaal, I'll never forget it, man. He was there. He had a pair of pants on. He kind of had like a blue sweater on. And he was sitting there courtside. And he was like, he never turned and talked to either one of them. And he just was like, he was looking at the court, but he wasn't watching the game. He he had fucking Lou Bloom bug-eyed eyes. Like the whole, every time I looked at him, I looked at him a lot because it was Jake Gyllenhaal. He's one of my favorite actors. Uh, whenever the you know the game would slow down, there'd be a timeout. I always looked. He looked. I won't even say he looked miserable. He looked like he didn't know where the fuck he was, and he was just zoned out. And he would he would he was looking in the direction of the court, but he was like had his head turned away from them. And you know it's like when you're sitting courtside or you're sitting down, it's kind of low. You kind of have to turn your head left and right as the guys run up and down the court. He never fucking turned his head. So like when they were in front of him, he would see the game. But when they he just didn't watch the game. I don't know what he was staring at or what, if he's having a bad night or what. But when I, when I seen him, I was like, that's the only time I ever seen him in public, obviously. And uh, I was like, yeah, dude, he is these characters. He's Donnie Darko. He's Lou Bloom. Like he lives. So in this he shit. was like method as fuck, right? So he was working on this project at that time, huh? No, nah, this was probably more like oh eight, oh nine. I saw him. Oh, so you really think it's not even method? No, I think it's him, baby. It, this is him. So yeah. he's actually playing himself right now. Huh? Yeah. You ever see that movie? <laughs> Another good one he yeah. was in. He did a few years after Donnie Dargo. Called, I think it was called The Good Girl with Jennifer Aniston. She's a bored housewife. I heard about it. Yeah. Everybody told me it's like great and stuff. I never, I just never went out. Like maybe I'll add it to my list if you're saying it's Keno. Yeah, so. yeah, it's worth seeing, baby, because it's a. Uh, she's like a bored housewife, and she's like works a shitty cashier job at this little store, and like Jake Gyllenhaal works there. He's like a 19 year old kid, so she's like you know a woman in her late 30s probably at this point, and she's yeah. fucking this 19 year old boy, and it's like this weird relationship. Did that come out early 2000s, like uh, yeah, late 90s, like early 2000s, 03, 04, something like that? Yeah, maybe? yeah. 
Yeah, I remember my buddy was like, oh, you got to see this. Actually, I believe I did. I've seen parts of it because I come over to his house. My film friend that me and him were both on the Buffalo 66 so hardcore. And he was like, I don't know. He was like, he had some weird taste, though. He was like, really liked the uh, John Malkovich um, of Mice and Men. Oh, yeah. It's been a while, but I've seen it, yeah. Yeah, just like I don't know. He was just—he was just watching it over and over. He was like super fascinated. He also like really likes uh, Rocky, mm. like all the Rocky films and stuff, and mainly Rock. Which I get that now. Um, you know, I picked up this—I don't know—it's probably Bare Bones Blu-ray like a year ago because I hadn't seen. It. I'm a Rocky two fan. Um, like, okay, I, that's you, my you like it when of. he gets the house and he finally has some shit. He yeah, gets the he, car. Well, it's, he's just great in it because he's just like. He's just like dumb, and he's like dumber and stuff because yeah. he got the shit beat out of him, which they totally forget too when three comes around. Like yeah. he's like got brain damage and stuff, and they're like, "That's not gonna work for three, uh, you know." So we're gonna they just forget all about that. But yeah, he's like just some kind of retard. Well, even and, in the first one, he's yeah. supposed to already be punch drunk. Do I do? I do. I mean, maybe you know. Yeah, he's like retarded at the end, like practically. But uh, no, I just like how like the whole stuff where he got like a little bit of money and he's yeah. trying to do that uh, commercial stuff. And they're yeah. like, Brock, dumb. Does he and have he like a black drive. Trans Am in that, or maybe it's a Camaro? I can't yeah, remember. He doesn't buy the car, but he can't drive. He doesn't want to drive it. Oh, and no, I think he sells it. Yeah, Anyway, uh, I can't remember. It's been a while since I've seen it. I think he sells it to Paulie or whatever because he yeah. needs the money because he's like out of work and stuff. By the he way, I fully endorse. I want to say I fully endorse. You know, a lot of time, anytime an actor or a director or anybody older speaks up about some shit, people are like, oh, they should shut up and be thankful. I fully endorse Sylvester Stallone just slamming the shit out of these producers that own Rocky and won't give them anything. And they keep... Yeah, I refuse to see these fucking Creed movies. I saw the first one, and it was a terrible remake of the first Rocky. It was god awful. It's like, well, they're just extensions of this Balboa shit yeah. too. It's like, it's like, how many did they do of those two Balboa movies? They right? just did one. They just did Rocky Balboa. Oh, they just did one, yeah. but that opened the door for the, the Creed, Creed shit. shit. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I I have not watched any of the Creed stuff, and uh, Belvoir was okay. Like it was decent. Like uh, I some some would say that it's better than five. Um, I like I'm actually I like, like five. Five five yeah. is actually a good story. It's just unfortunately five was made at a time when movies were made in a very cheesy style, and mm-hmm. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure he's working on a director's cut of five as well. And like I would actually like to see that one. But like it's not as cheesy. You'll 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 admit that it isn't as cheesy as four so four i mean yeah four the, is just non-stop montage four. but i mean i like four was actually my favorite as a kid i think four i think i did see three in a theater but four was the first one where i was old enough to really like be aware of what i was going to see and remember it you know what i mean yeah but uh, so we get this where he's like cutting this uh they went to this house and he like uh actually witnesses this crime and he makes it there murder baby he's, yeah, yeah, um, and he filmed all and, the dead bodies, and and this is pretty much like because up to this point, like I mean, at this point, like we're about halfway through the movie. It's mostly just been a character study of him seeing all this grisly <laughs> shit, cashing in. But there's really been like no real plot driving it. And like when he when he gets in, and this is his really big break that he's going to charge them a lot of money for. Was he snuck in this house after these assassins shotgun this family to death, and uh, he he gets a close up of all the bloody bodies and shit. Um, 
and like yeah but he cuts out some of the parts because he actually filmed the murderers but he cuts that part out like he's he's keeping that as a secret and pretty yeah, much the uh, whole like the id yeah of the guys, and he even so. has his license plate on the car he gets on the camera and everything but um yeah from from this point on the whole movie is like now has a plot and it's it's going to the towards a real conclusion here well one to bring up when he was editing that on the on the uh, trunk of the of his car yeah his reaction to go, blowing through the footage was like i don't know if he was like if it was intent too intense but like i don't know he should have like been like he should have had like a grin on his face and then like secretly like he should have been uh, masturbating yeah. as he had to do. Yeah, yeah, he should have. He really should have whipped his cock out yeah. and plopped it onto the fucking trunk of his car and uh, been beating it against it. And then Rick is like, "What the fuck's going on back there? Are you beating a drum?" Yeah, is he, like I guess that would have been too comedic. Yeah, so. like. Like he, it was, his hands should have been like editing the the laptop, and then his dick should have been like bouncing up against the license plate. I I, I feel like uh, Gilmore would have been all about that. Oh, he would have done it. He's like Willem Dafoe, baby. Anytime, anywhere. Yeah. So well, yeah. I mean, we we got the whole stuff in Nocturnal Animals, which yeah. is uh, a whole another f- fucking ball game. But like, it seems like an extension. Like, it's not even the same character, but, like, the weird, the intensity and the vibe and the atmosphere seems like an extension of Nightcrawler. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, like, uh, when you when you recommended that movie to me and then I went to Rite Aid and found the Blu-ray and was yeah. like, yeah, this is fucking weird, dude. Like, it's not Nightcrawler, but it's like, he's, like, he's doing the series of these movies that are, like, all in the same vein. They have they this are. cult underground uh feely feel to them you know like in 30 years or boy tarantino's gonna be doing an all-night gyllenhaal fest at the new beverly yeah. with all these themed films together hope so he never let's hope he casts him in like his last film too he I mean, should uh, i mean why not but yeah yeah it would be I guess we should say, too, one thing that surprised me was, I don't know if I said it yet or not, but the, the writer-director of this film, Dan Gilroy, he's actually been married to Rene Russo since the early 90s. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, okay. since 1992. So, like, and he's a very, you know, he, lo- he looks like a writer guy, very nerdy, skinny guy, you know, short hair or whatever. Yeah, I saw a picture of him in here uh, while I was going through the uh, Wikipedia, so. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Rene Russo, even now Rene Russo is a good-looking woman, and, like, I kind of like that too. That in this movie, like uh, the, the Lou Bloom character, he he re- he really wants not just a sexual relationship with her, but he he likes learning from her. Like you get the feeling like he wants to slowly take over the news station, and like he wants to. She's kind. He's he's kind of using her in a way to get inside the news station even more. Because like you see him, he starts walking around, and he and he. Uh, he starts talking to all the news anchors, and eventually he brings them so many stories that uh, they all know him by name and shit. They're like, "Oh, hey, Lou, oh, yeah. you know." Like he's clearly warming his way into this news station. Well, we get that too. That that's ultimately he would like that because of the scene you we talked about earlier when he um sat down uh, in front of the camera there, like he was like one of the news anchors or whatever. Yeah. But again. Uh, on the narcissistic like scale, like the especially news cat news anchors are like real score real high and with the narcissistic personality disorder, so that really is perfect job for him. That yeah. or like a movie star or like a musician or whatever. Somebody's in front of the camera constantly, talk show host. You ever see that? Like it's not like super kino or anything, but it's just a good movie. I think it's called mm-hmm. Damage. It, as uh, 
or maybe it's something else but it's like jake gyllenhaal is a guy who has like a mental breakdown and eventually like all he wants to do is like break shit <laughs> so he like takes a sledgehammer to his kitchen and shit or maybe it's called demolition but yeah like oh, it's pretty that good sounds familiar yeah and actually it, like if if you don't want to watch creed bullshit his boxing movie is awesome southpaw it's well there's some kind of like i just saw some footage i don't know if it's something new he's doing or what yeah roadhouse where he did the ufc fight yeah the ufc thing and he's like all bulked up for it like i like i thought it was like i see trying to do ufc fighting and they're like no it's for a movie and i'm like oh yeah he he did go on the roadhouse remake baby for amazon oh so he's a ufc fighter that's the plot of it yeah and then he becomes the the bouncer of the bar yeah he loses his big fight or whatever because like well he's like the scene that he's in where he's like uh, the guy, the, I think it's like a black guy or whatever, is like yeah, I think it is. him. Yeah. I can see why he's not going to be a UFC fighter anymore because the one scene he's like up against the cage and he has his arms on the side. He's not even trying to block. Uh, yeah, and the guy's, the guy's like, hitting him. It, like, what's crazy is it looks like a real fight. Like when you watch the footage, it looks like a real fight until the guy starts hitting Jalen Hall. And then you see Jalen Hall like whipping his head back and forth to sell the punches you know yeah, that's not even realistic though because all these like professional ufc fighters are always trained to like keep their arms up and block and yeah. shit like that's not even fucking realistic dude like uh no and i can't believe he if he was training i'm sure he's did, did a little bit of training and stuff with some like real ufc fighters for the for the footage and stuff and i yeah. can't believe they wouldn't have told him yeah you keep your arms up like you never not block you block till you hit the fucking floor <laughs> like, yeah but I'm sure the the plot is he's just the worst. He gets his ass beat, so that's why he has to become a bouncer or something like. Yeah, I don't know exactly, but he looks like he got ripped up for like he's pretty buff. He's dude, usually so. pretty buff. Like he was buff for yeah. uh, Southpaw. He was buff for that. Um, I never saw it, but that Prince of Persia video game movie. I think that's like the only major Jake Gyllenhaal movie I've never seen was Prince of Persia. And I actually kind of want want to watch it now because at the time it's nobody adaption. cared, but now they complain that adaption. he played a Persian guy and he's white. Yeah. Well, not yet. Like, John Leguizamo is going to, he's the one that's been bitching about it all, though. Uh, the irony of him bitching about uh, people being cast in Hispanic roles is yeah. he never brings up how he he's um, ste- he was stealing the um, Italian yeah, role Italian when he played roles. the Le- yeah, baby. Super Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> well, well, not only that, but like, I've, I, I've, I've, with that if i remember correctly i think john leguizamo is a puerto rican descent and i've seen yeah yeah, and i've seen him play a lot of other ethnicities that weren't puerto rican so right like hispanic uh, ethnicities that weren't puerto rican so i don't know what he's crying about i yeah i wanted to bring up yeah he's been doing this for like the past like year or so now he's been like bringing up because i think they were gonna um cast um what was the geez i can't remember somebody as castro it's like a white guy yeah. oh, fuck i can't remember who it was off the top of my head and he was like that's when it the floodgates open but look um i want i was like well what how are you you're in uh, Ca- uh carlito's way where uh yeah you play benny blanco <laughs> baby come on Benny Blanco was fine, but like, why weren't you bitching about Al Pacino? And um, then somebody Ooh. brought that up to an interview recently, and he he did make a statement. And he said, "Yeah, it was kind of odd, but like, basically, what the interview, the little bit he said about it was that he chalked it up. Like, I ch- like, well, this is how I chalked it up: is that 
he's not really making a big deal about that because Al Pacino's his idol. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he's like, it was just so, it was a pleasure to get a paycheck back he, then. Yeah, well, yeah, and to work with Al Pacino, but yeah, he said that it was awkward. It was a little awkward for him working on the set when there was other a lot of other Hispanic. C- but not C- only that, V. Mortensen plays a fucking Hispanic character too in that movie. Yeah, the guy yeah. that's. A- and shit. Dude, and could mean, you imagine what it was like back when they made Scarface and Stephen Bauer, like in every scene, is sitting next to fucking white ass Al Pacino, going, "My name is fucking Tony Montana from Cuba. <laughs> Come on, man, chico, hey, pet fly, but looking fly." Like, could you imagine being like a Hispanic guy and you're like watching this fuck, and then like they put up the makeup on him, make him look a little more tan, and he's fucking like, "Oh man, oh, come on, man." Uh, it, I could have sworn Luis Guzman was in. Um... It was not an early role. Wasn't even. I know he's in uh, Carlito's Carlito's Way. Way. Was he in Scarface too? I no, he wasn't he... in Scarface. No, because I don't think he was acting. I don't think by he that. was. I don't think he started until uh, early '90s. So there was a. I think it was Luis Guzman. There was a movie from the early '80s. Uh, written it called like admission or something about a girl who worked at a porno theater and he was like the jizz mopper or maybe he was the projectionist. Guy. <laughs> and he's like super young in it. Yeah. That's awesome. I'll have to check that one out. Yeah. You know what's a great fucking Luis Guzman movie is the Steven Soderbergh film The Limey with Terrence Stamp. That's a fucking great thing. Because it's like, it's like basically Terrence Stamp is like this old British gangster guy. And like his daughter like went to LA and uh, got hooked up with Peter Fonda. And then like she died mysteriously, like fell in the ocean or some shit. So he comes for revenge and like he, he meets Luis Guzman who's like kind of the guy showing him around LA. You know what I mean? It's pretty fucking cool. It actually came out on 4K yeah. a little while ago. I uh, I'm aware of the Limey. I never uh, caught that one uh, when it came out. I know that it did. I think it did fairly well. I remember did, people yeah. talking about it. So yeah. And also, also Guzman steals the show in fucking Boogie Nights when the when he answers oh, the yeah. phone. Is there a Maggie? Is there a Maggie? Sorry, kid. There's no Maggie here. <laughs> he is great. He is great Hello. in uh, just about everything. And. Um, uh, you know, whether you like it or not, uh, waiting, he's oh, fucking Oh, yeah, I was about to say, waiting when he pulls his nutsack out, and he's like, look at yeah, the bat, yeah. But he's got a lot of great scenes in waiting, like, uh, he's in it quite a bit. And he's great in Carlito's way, too, you know, like, is, I really yeah. love his performance in that, so. You know, obviously it's nowhere near the caliber of Carlito's way, but the direct-to-video sequel actually isn't that bad. Oh, I'm sorry you said that, sir. <laughs> really? I, I didn't think I it was. I expected like pure shit, and I actually didn't mind it. I was talking to. I remember when that came out, and I was talking to our our boy Newt there recently, and he said he had never seen Carlito's Way, which I was kind of disturbed by that. I'm like, this is this had to been like the biggest movie. I saw Carlito's year. Way in the theater, baby. I remember going to see. Yeah. It. Being a '90s dude, but he then he told me he the only movie he he seen the Carlitos Way sequel and he thought it sucked and he only watched it mm. once and I'm like, well, I don't, you know, that's got uh, P Diddy in it, right? Yeah, Sean Puffy Gomes. It's got the guy from the Dawn of the Dead remake. Jay Hernandez plays a young Carlito mm-hmm. Brigante. Yeah, only like I was pretty disappointed that none of like not even um, uh, Guzman came back. I don't think he did. I, I don't, I don't he think he came that. back. From- Maybe he did. Maybe I'm wrong. Because but... I remember being like, damn, he's older, but now he, he's like way older, but he's supposed to be younger. Because it's a prequel, we should say. Yeah. It's supposed to be when Carlito's just... young. Yeah, I didn't really dig it too much. I was not. I've watched it a couple times, and I was just like, yeah, no. Yeah, I've like, seen that it once. scene with, uh, with uh, P. Diddy, uh, like where he's like, uh, 
I'd say right at the beginning or whatever, and like I don't know, he comes in as like a bar or something. That's been yeah. so long since I've seen it. And uh, P. Diddy's yeah. brutal as an actor. I'll give you that. There was one movie he was good in in a very small role, and that was Monsters Ball with uh, Halle Berry and Billy Bob Thornton and uh, our boy Heath Ledger. Yeah, I just never liked any of his. Like, I just don't like his act. I don't think I like him and as a person. And P. Diddy, really, no, he's cancer. Man. Yeah. Yeah, I don't dig it. And well, he's not really anything. Like, he, yeah. I mean, I don't even think he's got much. I mean, I know he's wealthy and stuff like that. Whatever. It's he cool, sells but... champagne now. He dressed up as the yeah. Joker and did a champagne well, commercial. He's had, has had clothing lines too, as well. Yeah, he had that Sean John shit, where it's like the most right. basic shit. Like they would take a, yeah. a red plain T-shirt and they would put like some glue-on rubber stickers that said Sean, like letters that said Sean John across the thing, and sell that shit what, for like eighty is... bucks. Yeah, but it was hot back in like it I don't was. even like when I was even in high school and stuff. It was still fucking hot. I was and, more of a Fubu guy myself. Oh, for okay, us, by okay. us, baby. Now, yeah, the Bufus. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can uh, you can get the Fubu shit like real cheap now. I like I think you can get the shoes at Walmart. Now. I think the and guy so. sold the. It's like that dude that's like on uh, Shark Tank. I think the the black dude on Shark Tank. He owned it and then he sold it off to like not Walmart but like some cheap like company because like once the brand like didn't do shit anymore he just sold off the name and somebody's making bootleg uh fubu shit now yeah it's pretty common at like the strip mall like discount places and stuff now yeah so we should say our boy lou bloom he gave the footage of the the murder and everything to the station or the bodies i guess and then the cops were like, how'd you get this? Because you're in the house in the video and all that kind of shit. And he's just like, oh, the door is open. I thought it, thought somebody yeah. needed help. Meanwhile, like he never, he's like on the video, he's never like, are you okay? And then he actually films a guy who's still alive. <laughs> he just walks away from him. <laughs> he just... Right. The guy that was face down. Yeah, in the pool of him. blood. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. So he's, uh, as we mentioned earlier, he's uh, continuing on with this um where he's kind of more orchestrating things and now he is taking the license plate down and is going to get more involved with this um crime so he can get better footage yeah and, uh, like basically his yeah. plan is is he didn't hand the, the information over to the police because he wants to track them down through their license plate and he basically wants to follow them and, and get the footage of like when the cops finally catch up with them so which is smart for a career, his career move. For his career, guess, yeah. But, but yeah. like, I, I don't know how he thought he was going to get away with this baby, though, because, like, he was already under suspicion from the cops because they're, like, they're like, <laughs> like you know, you, we know you're not telling us everything is what the, the lady cop was saying. And, like, <laughs> yeah, the female cop. Now he's just going to happen because he says, oh, they were just dark shapes. It was too dark. I couldn't tell who they were. And then, like, when he calls in, he's just like, yeah, baby, I saw him on 911. He's calling 911. He's like, he's like, I just recognized them again when I saw him again. Something clicked. And it's like, what were the chances the same Nightcrawler dude? Like, I mean, obviously, he would be implicated, like, connections, something. You know what I mean? But he also, in this phone call, you'll notice that he says his own name. And I'm just like, yeah. why would you do uh, like, well, it's because he was talking dumb? with Rick. There's a reward. There's a $50,000 reward. So he's going to get the, the, the money and he's going to get the foot you know whatever he sells the footage for probably like another 50 grand of the 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 cop shooting it out with the murderers did you say they tracked down oj simpson he looks old as fuck now and they wanted his opinion of the alex murdoch trial they should have got oj Mm -hmm. in this movie had him on the news giving his opinion of the the granada hill slains i thought that was kind of rocking the nose uh oj was like 
I don't know why they why they're contacting you like I'm some kind of expert and I'm like, uh, cause uh, the guy killed his wife, like uh like you were on trial for. <laughs> Remember OJ, like when he got hard up for money, he wrote that book called If I Did It and like the if was like very small on the cover and it just said I did it. And it was like I supposed think to be sure. Yeah, he was like he was like saying like, Oh, this is just a, a fictional account of how I would have got away with the murders if I did it and all this shit. Can you imagine so like can you imagine buying the rights to that book now and like making that book into a movie? I can't believe Netflix hasn't done it with all their uh, murder shit, their Jeffrey Dahmer eating dicks out of the crockpot shit that they do now. Well, uh, didn't they, uh, wasn't there like a, a docu-series here a while back, like a few years back on the whole O.J. Simpson thing? And uh can't remember if they had yeah, it. Yeah, like, yeah you're right, because John Travolta played the lawyer guy. I'm blanking on his name now, Robert. Oh, it was, a, it was a biopic TV series? I it, thought it was like a It was a, a mini-series on FX. I mean, there might have been two, oh, okay. but yeah, because I, I remember, I don't remember <laughs> who played O.J. Maybe it was like Isaiah Washington, but I remember uh, particularly... Um, Travolta played the old lawyer guy. Fucking Judge Ito was a rock star back then, baby. But yeah, there was a great negotiation. I love the relationship between Lou Bloom and his employee Rick, where like he tells them this plot of like how they're going to track him down. He's like, "Oh, this is too dangerous." Like Rick's saying that, and then like he negotiates them. Like he's like, "There's fifty thousand dollar reward," and then like he negotiates for like more money because he's only playing Rick like thirty five bucks a night, and he's just like. Well, they- they do have that thing where, like, he meets him and he does, like, an employee review and then uh, he gives Rick a chance to ask, you know, uh, ask for how much he wants or whatever. And yeah. then he's like, you would have given me more. But then this shit changes it because yeah. it's like he like Rick's not like the smartest guy. No, he's not. Let's be for real. <laughs> no. And I think I mean, Rick's a homeless guy like, yeah. to keep him around. Yeah. yeah. Homeless but, guy. But from he the definitely. He definitely figures out that there is some fucking. He is definitely doing some fucked up shit where he's. He know this is where he finally notices that uh, Lou is orchestrating things for his footage. Yeah. Uh, which is like basically it's like just bitch slapping him. Yeah. It's like so obvious this is going on, and he just now realizes it. Well, but he doesn't care about like being a criminal. He just wants more money. Yeah. Well, did you notice the first time that? Yeah, he just wants more money. He wants part of the reward. But uh, yeah. did you notice during the the first time when he first met Rick in that coffee shop that did his uh, interview or whatever, he's like asking him, he's like, yeah, I'm homeless, whatever. He's like, what's your work experience? He's like, oh, just a couple weeks here, a couple weeks there. He's like, do you trick? He's like, it's okay. He's like, no, I'm not gay. He's like, J. I was like, it's okay. Lots of straight guys trick. Right. So he's okay if you suck dick for money. He'll hire you if you're a professional dick. He don't care as long as you work cheap for him. Well, he want like he wanted some like homeless dude that would like fucking work these crazy hours and like I don't know I I, I get that Lou's like looking for to take advantage of people and yeah. this is like the perfect subject for him to be well, able to take advantage do this of shit him. he tells Rick right now because Rick wants a big chunk of the reward money if they get it and he tells him he says he says Rick what makes a job desirable is not just the money attached to it you're at the ground floor of a of a yeah. growing news organization like they're just riding around in a fucking car with video cameras and he keeps talking about this big company that he owns but it's it's totally indicative of this like mental illness that he suffers yeah. from cuz everything is um for a narcissist everything is all like grandiose mm-hmm. and stuff and like on this 
I don't know, fucking uh, epic level or whatever in his mind. So it makes sense. And of course, he thinks he's like us. He thinks he's like some kind of salesman or whatever. So he's trying to sell. Yeah. Uh, he's like, <laughs> well, th- th- this is this is like very important. Bat, like because you know you've seen this movie. Like this scene, you don't really realize how important this scene is because basically what he's going to put Rick into here is like he says he wants half the reward money. He's like he's like you know I'll give you ten thousand of the fifty thousand. And he's like. He's like no. He's like he's like he's like twenty. You know, half of it or nothing. I want half of it. And, and he, I would have been like, you know, honestly, I'd have been like, look, the dude's paying for the fucking car that we're riding. He paid for all the equipment. Yeah. Uh, he paid for the police scanner and everything. He puts the fuel in here. Yeah. Uh, and and the fact that he basically tried to like go back on his uh hourly whatever raise agreement, yeah. and this is like a kind of a bonus or whatever. And I'd be thinking too. I'm fucking living in a fucking, uh, and not only that, it's like, okay, well, this guy's going to do this once. He'll probably do it again. Yeah. Like he'll do more crazy shit. So I can probably, then I could probably be like, look, if we ever do that again, you're going to pay me more or you can find somebody else because look, like $10,000, he could have got out of the storage unit and got into like at least a fucking cheap apartment or whatever and upgraded his like living standards and you know, whatever, gotten some better clothes and stuff like that. And he'd been, then then Lou could trust him too because it's like all right this dude's already been in with been involved with some dirty shit I've already done I can trust him and you you'd have more negotiate you know more more of a leg to stand on for negotiating the future well, so you, you, I probably would have settled you, on the 10 grand yeah easily. for sure yeah. well also too it's like it's very telling when he say he's like no I'm not going to negotiate half for nothing and then Jill Hall looks at him and says well you're taking away my power to negotiate he's like <laughs> I guess I gotta accept that. Like at that point, fucking Rick's fate is sealed, baby. <laughs> right? Oh yeah. Because there ain't absolutely. no way in hell Lou Bloom's splitting the money with this fuck. No. Like I'm kind of um, surprised yeah. he was willing to give him ten, honestly. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I. That's what I. By thought, the way, too. Was, we're driving by the IHOP for the eighth time. Next to the IHOP is the <laughs> Bank of America. That Bank of America, which was my Bank of America, that's where I set up my bank account when I first moved to California, went to that bank all the time. That was actually the real-life shootout place that inspired the shootout in Heat, baby. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, that famous thing where the guys are running through the neighborhoods with the, the big bags of money on their shoulders and the machine guns. Mm-hmm. And like they finally like, and then the cops are just driving after them and shooting at them. They finally kill them in the alleyway. Yeah, that was that bank. So I got a question here because you you come back to the IHOP. How how often did you eat at that IHOP? Actually, a lot because the girl I was with at the yeah. time, like it was the kind of the closest breakfast spot where where I lived at that apartment for five years, and I was pretty much with her for four of those five years I lived there. So like I would say, once I started going there, it took a little while before I started going there. Once I started going there, I I got a beef with that IHOP too, but um, yeah, I'd say once or twice a month, yeah. And then when I lived to move down to my another another spot that was closer to Burbank, then I started eating at the IHOP that was in downtown Burbank. But yeah, so I would go there and I always wanted potato pancakes. I don't know why. I, I love potato. I'm fucking Irish, dude. I'm 33% Irish. I love potatoes. And I had potato pancakes at a couple places when I was a kid. And like I would always go at the IHOP and they would hand me the menu. It the fucking menu had potato pancakes for like a year on there. Oh, we don't have those anymore. We just I was like, change the fucking menu. So I always always ask him, can I get the potato pancakes? Because you have hash browns, motherfucker. Just throw that shit in there. Make me potato pancakes. They would never make me potato pancakes that were on the menu. 
but yeah, here they are trailing the uh, the killers. They see them at a gas station. Now they're driving by a Del Taco for about the fifth time. But uh, but that's the movie magic. You you ruin movie magic when you when you move to shitty Los Angeles and try to chase your dreams back. And you, and then you know all the locations yeah. and stuff that they're filming at, and you could just see they're filming at like the same three blocks yeah. the whole movie. Yeah, and and then it kind of goes back and forth because when they go to this this Asian restaurant, like uh, where they're watching the Have guys. Have you been there before? Yeah, no, I, I didn't recognize that. This is from a different area. Oh. That, but then like yeah. when they get into the shootout, then they're right back onto the same street where IHOP and everything is. When they go get with the police the car chase. chase yeah and if you okay. if you look that's also where they have the car chase with the cop car and uh, pineapple express in the daytime oh okay yeah i think they just film there a lot because it's just easy to shut down at night and it's also too it's like one of the few places in the valley where it's like it's like there's traffic lights everywhere which i mean that don't matter if you shut it down but but it's like a straight shot like that's why everybody bonsai's through there a lot of times but that and Burbank Boulevard are your biggest straight shots with no curves. You can just fucking get up to 80 miles an hour if you want to. So straight away, then. Yeah, okay. straight yeah. away, yeah. But um, I thought it was funny, too, that he's like, he has scratches on the face, and the guy does from, like, the when he, I guess he was murdering the people, that one lady on the bed, she probably scratched him up. But, like, I never noticed the scratches before this scene. Um, you know, like I said, I was watching that, uh, I don't know if it's upscale or not, but I just thought that everything looked crisper than the, the regular HD, yeah. uh, copy that I'm like, well, I don't know. I mean, I just, you know, I'm, I'm starting to see the benefits of the 4k, like I, I, I get it. Like just having a 4k TV enhances everything and stuff. Cause like I told you, I was watching, um, Ant-Man. Yeah. My, I've watched my Blu-ray many a times, and then I watched it on uh, Disney Plus. The 4K. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a couple weeks ago, and I was just like, because I was listening to the commentary where the director was like, "Yo, we CGI'd the dust in the air and everything," and I'm like, "I don't see this fucking dust." And then I watched the Disney Plus, uh, and you saw it. Uh, yeah. yeah, and I saw it like really well when he's in the shower, in the when he shrinks down in the shower and stuff, and I was just like, "Man, I'm I'm missing a lot of uh, from." I don't think it's. I don't think it's necessary to have 4K for older films because I don't think there's all those subtle details and stuff. Like, I've noticed some stuff, but I've noticed more. I've, I've noticed it just as much on just a regular 2K. Mm-hmm. But the modern films, really, you do, you know, like, there is subtle things that don't show up in the 2K that show up in 4K. But well, also, too, if you just get a good 4K set, even your yeah. regular Blu-rays will look better because your 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 oh, yeah. your 4K set has a much wider color spectrum. Obviously, the the pixels are smaller. Like if you take like a 60 inch 1080p versus a 60 inch 4K, the 4K even with the same regular 2K Blu-rays is going to look better on the 4K because there's the pixels are smaller and it just it gets more like fine detail. Like I'm kind of shocked honestly how good regular Blu-ray looks on on a good TV. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I'm guessing this was because like, we were talking about Nightcrawler. I was watching on the HBO Max, and I don't, we don't, I haven't looked to see for sure if there's, if there is or isn't a 4K. But I mean, it must be an upscale, and it did look better than, like I said, the yeah. 2K, the regular 2K here, even the upscale. I gotta so. say too, like HBO Max is for all the ones I've watched. HBO Max generally, like every now and then, there will be. I've seen some like really older movies that they get a bum master for. But for the most mm-hmm. part, HBO Max broadcasts in pretty like uh, high bit rates, and like it's pretty yeah. good quality. Like honestly, 
It is, and I, you know, I too watching stuff on Disney Plus, and you know, I got the little boy here, you know, and then mm. considering mm. Uh, subs- uh, getting a subscription to Disney Plus and stuff because there's like a bunch of stuff on there. Like I was, we were talking about uh, uh, Star Wars droids cartoon, yeah. and like hasn't gotten a release. And I recently got my boy. Um, oh, Disney! This is some fucked up shit. Disney put out uh, the Adventures of the Gummy Bears from like the mid '80s oh, really? into the '90s cartoon, and uh, I guess they put it out in 2015 the DVD, but it's like season one through three and then they never went and put out the other yeah yeah, the other three seasons but they're on disney plus and my son fucking loves i mean i liked it when i was a kid uh growing up and yeah they they will not release the other three probably because they like no you have to get disney plus and i seen that there was other like a bunch of other cartoons and stuff in there that they have the rights to that don't appear i know tailspin came out i know that's on there i saw uh and i know they released that recently i think but there's other stuff that doesn't look like it's ever came out and granted gummy bears i was watching like fourth season on there and it didn't look it looks dvd grade yeah like it does not even look like they've they went and cleaned it up or anything so it's just like they they, they're making you get disney plus just so you can see those like and there was the whole uh, petition online to get the other three seasons released from disney it's like what are you doing with a petition? Like you're not gonna make Disney doesn't do anything yeah, they don't want to do. I don't know how deep know. it's gonna go, baby. But because uh, Disney lately, like even their older movies, like Touchstone Pictures, Hollywood Pictures, their regular movies, like they were like, yeah, we're done licensing these out. It's the age of digital. We're the streaming giants, and because they're in such a <laughs> shit financial state from going so streaming heavy the last couple of years, Iger actually said, like he literally said in a public mm-hmm. thing that they're going to re- uh, recently re- re- an reevaluate their home video strategy. So, I mean, I don't yep. think everything is going to come out, but even if it's just licensing shit out, there's a lot of companies that'd be hungry to license a lot of that older material. Well, he said in a statement like a couple of months ago that they're really pushing hard for their streaming. And like, I've been reading articles about, um, how solo uh star wars solo uh, yeah. film uh did so poorly and now they don't and the, and how the tv shows are doing way better than any of the movies so like they're yeah. reluctant to even do any more star wars films yeah they, they've just canceled a lot of in development projects for both marvel and yep. star wars because they're like they're like it just doesn't make any sense we're broke now because they really just lost a lot of money on streaming is really what happened mm. i mean obviously the pandemic killed box office for a good year too as well but yeah you know so yeah this well, is a good build up though they take a long time to build this up in the movie when he calls the 911 and tells them that the, the killers are in this thing and I like how Rick is like there's people in there if they start shooting and, and lose like yeah just just film it <laughs> yeah no he doesn't he's very disconnected and he's just like I'm getting great footage yeah I like when he's driving the challenger with one hand and holding the camera with the other Lou and he's filming the shit yeah yeah it's very. I like too that they show most of the shootout through like his viewfinder on his camera. It's very cool. Oh yeah, no. Uh, what is this like reminiscent of? I can't, I'm trying to think of like a film where it was. There's something out here that that's also this is all also reminiscent where it's yeah it's like a scene all this insanity through the viewfinder of the camera. I can't remember. Yeah. It's kind of like making a snuff film though too. As Pretty well. much. And, yeah. Yeah, very much like that. It's kind of too. I was going to say another. I actually bought the Blu ray. I got it for five bucks from uh, Universal. But like uh, that end of Watch movie with Gyllenhaal, where he's the cop and he's filming his shift 
and he's like doing it. I've never seen that. Yeah, he's doing a mini. Oh. Doc- it's like a found footage movie because he's doing a documentary for like his like filmmaking class or whatever. Like he goes to the night school or whatever, I guess. But it, it's him and Pena, and it's just kind of like a day of them driving around as cops in LA. It's it's worth checking oh, cool. out. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, you know another movie that this reminds me of, and it's very underrated. It's also from the director of Into Watch. Uh, I'm bl- I'm blanking on the guy's name. He, oh, David Ayer. But I really like the first movie he directed, Harsh Times, with uh, Christian Bale and what's his name, Freddie Rodriguez. Like that's a really good, like L.A. Mm. driving around L.A. getting into trouble movie. I never seen that either. Oh, you gotta uh, see it, Bale baby. After... It's it's Kino. Go to your local video store that you go to that you get all your movies from, Bat, and and get get a copy of Harsh Times because I've been dying to do that movie with somebody for years, baby. And every time I there, talk to somebody, there is no. There is no local video store anymore, baby. All the family videos closed because of the pandemic. Ba- baby, come on. You know the local video store. No. The one that's really oh, close oh. to you. Oh, oh. It's oh, like yeah. so close you can reach out and touch it, that one. And it's so it's so cheap, it's almost free. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. J- yeah. Just like I walk into the next room and I got those giant stacks and I pull it off the shelf. You have that ability, well, you are- too. You you are designing the well. I'm getting back to the man. I mean, just because it's because I'm hanging out with you and and uh, you know I blame you, but I got to man because uh, yeah, I mean you got me back into this media collecting whatever you want to call just it. Just when you and, thought you uh, was out, I pulled you back in. Uh, and it's been an expensive trip, by the way, too. But, uh, but don't you don't very, you agree that Kino wins in the end? Well, I'm getting very selective on like. As far as like more expensive title, like I can, oh yeah, I could buy all that, but like, this, okay, how, and then I bought a bunch of shit that I'm like, why did I buy this? So it's like, it's just sitting, especially all this fucking video vinegar syndrome trash. Like, oh, fucking vinegar syndrome. <sighs> Every time oh. I see, the only, I, I've, I've purchased probably between my DVDs, my Blu rays, and my 4Ks, I've probably personally purchased over 3,000 films in my lifetime. And the only time I ever felt like I pissed money away or felt dirty afterwards was fucking vinegar syndrome orders. That's and that's my fault too because every time you're like I'm not ordering from yeah. them and I'm like come on baby look at the sales mm-hmm. and then like I tell you about it and then you're which like, by the way baby I need I need you to some return on my investment Angel trilogy coming soon to the movie graveyard baby. I only watched I I have yeah I've seen the second film I never saw the third film and I've yet to watch the second and third film since I've got the the trilogy I watched the first one here I don't know like uh, when I got that old v, the VS uh, sale that sale so, yeah so this is great they have the the car chase and you know eventually all the cars crash and the killer one killer guy's still alive. And Lou tells Rick to go film him. He's dead. Go film him. And Rick walks up. And of course, the guy's alive and blows Rick away. <laughs> yeah. It's a total setup. Total suck and setup. And what do you make of this moment, though? There's a second before the rest of the cops show up where the killer looks at Lou filming him. And Lou, Lou like, is not scared. He's just standing there filming him. Like, he really doesn't give a shit if the guy shoots him or not, is what it feels like. Yeah, I don't know, and I don't know why the guy didn't. If I don't know if the guy wanted to be a movie star, he's like, I don't know exactly know what the whole reasoning why he didn't shoot Lou either. There too, it seemed odd, but uh, you know, Lou, Lou's straight. Like he's he's like has no emotion. He's like total fucking psychotic type individual. Like I don't know. I don't think he has any. I don't think he's got that fear mechanism built into him. Yeah. So they're like right down the street from that IHOP and that Bank of America. Like they're on the same street. 
they're in the street. If you like where Lou was just standing kind of on the sidewalk, that thing, there's like a gold's gym and shit behind it is a huge shopping plaza with just empty ass stores. And then a movie theater, which they filmed a lot of movies in. And I used to go to that theater. It would always like open up and close down and shit, but it was a, a theater that been there since the seventies. It was like a $2 theater when I would go there. So I'll scream for there. Um, Oh, yeah. And okay. uh, the movie theater scene in Don John with ScarJo and fucking uh, Gordon Levitt there. But the, also, that's where they built the... Uh, that's the, the whole thing is the parking lot in Captain Marvel where she they made the fake blockbuster there and where, where uh, Samuel L. Jackson shows up I, later. I thought that... Uh, I heard that they filmed the exteriors in that last uh, blockbuster. The exteriors were filmed at the last blockbuster. I can't remember where, if it's out in the Midwest nah, or whatever. baby, that blockbuster is like in Oregon. I thought that's what I, I was reading, is that they filmed that at the exteriors with the interiors was like on a set or something. The one where you could air... They ended up turning into an Airbnb, and now it's like gone. But they were doing like an Airbnb thing too, where you could just stay in the last blockbuster. Well, I, I don't know if I they did it. In a, I don't know why they would go out of their way to do it. But but as soon as she walks out, and when she's on the after, after she walks out of blockbuster, and she's on that payphone and all that shit. That's all that parking lot there, because you can see the movie theater in the background. And it, interestingly enough, like I just actually picked that up. Uh, that film it's pretty bad actually it's so bad that i like it i'm not gonna lie it's like when i I saw in the theater i was like what is this shit it's so terrible but then when then i bought the 3d version like a like a movie cuck and like i actually kind of like it it's so fucking silly um i picked it up finally i knew about the whole that whole blockbuster thing though because of the um it's it's featured in the uh, Netflix documentary. Yeah, thing. I like that documentary. Uh, yeah, and so I was aware of it, but yeah, no, I just like a couple weekends ago, Big Lots had it marked down to the Blu-ray, marked down to like a buck fifty. Yeah, and I was in there, and um, I'm like, okay, I'll watch it now, and I picked it up, and I just like watched it. I think last weekend for the first time, but I was like I said, I was kind of aware of that. Uh, that thing. I th- I thought it was I thought that blockbuster was the one out in Oregon. The exteriors and the interiors are filmed um, if in, you, in in L.A. Yeah, so. the strip mall and shit. Like when you see it in the movie, it's 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 more like a strip mall. If it wasn't that parking lot, it was somewhere nearby because it looks just like it with the concrete and shit. But yeah, like he also filmed Rick's death. Rick was still alive, and he looked at him, and I think yeah. I think Rick said, "You knew, like he, you know, you knew the guy was still alive," and like obviously, like. Obviously, he wanted to film Rick's death, but he also just needed him to get killed so he could get the full reward money himself. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That was really what it was. But it was like, yeah, there was a caveat was that uh, he would have he would have his partner get killed. Plus, plus he there's also he knew too much. Yeah, he knew too much. about, and He was like dangerous, too, as well. It wasn't even just the money. It was like uh, what his, his yeah. knowledge on what the inner workings and stuff of the. Um, his little company here yeah, was, video was production news yeah. a news gathering service yeah because yeah, he's being investigated for this whole thing so i just love this movie it's just so fucking dark and grim yeah and it's just like that thing of like it really captures modern los angeles at night like because la is really weird because they like you think you think with as many fucking people the city's so jammed up with people bat that you would think 
that it's like Las Vegas. It's like the city that never sleeps. It doesn't, baby. Like you can drive around at nine o'clock on a Sunday morning and nobody's on the streets. Like it's really weird for a major city and how many fucking people are there. Like how much the city shuts down and gets quiet and like especially if you're anywhere near the hills like Mulholland and all that shit. Like the wild animal, dude. There's coyotes out the ass. When I used to go see my boy, uh, when he lived in a room up in, uh, um, fucking what was it, Tahunga? Not Tahunga. Shit, Laurel Canyon. I would drive up, like we would go and we, and we would do script writing. I usually leave his house at like one or two in the morning, and then I have to get up in the morning like five six hours later to go to work. Like I'd be driving down a street, dude, and like if it was after midnight, I would say more than half the time. I would drive by the coyotes walking up the fucking street that were going looking for all the chihuahuas and local house cats and shit to eat, baby. And they were mangy as fuck, baby. They, yeah. They, they were, city, they were, do- and they weren't afraid, baby. I would drive by, have my window yeah. rolled down. I look right at them. They look at me like it's crazy. What up? Yeah. Pretty much is what it is. So yeah, so this is you th- this is the aftermath. He sold the footage of the cops shooting the the murderers and Rick dying and shit to the to the news station. And now the cop lady who's been tracking him the whole movie, um, you know, she she basically comes out and, she, and he's like he's like you know I just recognized the guys finally something clicked in my head. I called nine one one, and you know I followed him from a gas station. She's like she's like I think you withhold information and you wanted to capture this. So this lady has it hundred percent figured out, but the problem is she can't prove shit. Mm-mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you know, so it's like yeah, like the odds of him ever getting convicted of anything, and even if he did, I think it would be. I think she threatens to charge him as like an accessory or something like that. But it's just like, you know, it's like what can you do? Yeah, he really doesn't have any real connection to the crime. I mean, I guess you could say that uh, he did get all those cops killed by yeah. what he was doing. Yeah, there. So, but I, I think that's a, really a stretch. But it's really hard too, though, because it's like it's almost like um, if he never would have called nine one one, like even with the way he set it up and did it, they would have never caught those guys. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Because, I mean, they pretty much just went in and shotgunned everybody in the house. Like, I doubt that they really left any real DNA there, you know. Well, and then uh, Russo's character starts talking about how, uh, or the one guy calls and says, you know, like, they were there was, like, all these drugs and stuff, and it wasn't, like, this innocent thing. Like, it wasn't a home invasion, you know? yeah. yeah. It, it, was a, it was a drug um, cartel drug kind of uh, execution, yeah. basically. Which drug cartels are doing great in America right now, baby. So this movie's like a little bit of heaven's time. So I'm reading on this because I'm you kind of. I was under the impression that it was the exteriors were filmed at that uh, Oregon yeah. uh, blockbuster, but it says that um, they found a strip mall in the valley, which dated back to the '80s and shut down, shut it down for five or six years, or, or was shut down. Yeah, and then they basically recreated a blockbuster there so like yeah. i don't know yeah that might be a different location but yeah you're right but i don't think it was that i don't think it was near that filming location where you were talking about there it's like in the valley yeah so that's not that's not the valley right there right no it's it's yeah it's it's the valley <clears throat> oh it is yeah so it is near there yeah it's north hollywood still oh okay. yeah yeah no, you know, like with uh, uh, Captain Marvel, that whole thing, I really like, really, that was like some of the best stuff, the 90s throwback stuff. It was. And then, 
this little blockbuster there, but like, yeah, that movie really, I don't know, my, my opinion, it like, it's Well, they really like, ruined, because there's a lot of like, back talk in the previous Marvel movies about how Nick Fury got his eye ripped out, and like, in Captain Marvel, his eye ain't ripped out yet, so they keep setting no, it up, you, th- uh, you think he's gonna get, like, first he crashes the car, and then he's like, oh, my eye's okay, whatever, and then eventually just a cat scratches his eye out, and he don't even care, he's like, oh, that's okay, cat, whatever, he's like, oh, it itches a little yeah. bit, and then they show it, like, because it was a space cat, like, it gave him some weird bacteria that killed his eye. But, like, if you watch, like, the Winter Soldier when he's talking to Robert Redford, he's like, I trusted someone and I lost my eye. So, like, they basically, like, Marvel, I mean, I'm not going to stick up for comic book movies either, you like them or not. But Marvel is whatever you want to say at a certain point, it was at least decent popcorn action movie then it became this like ultra feminized cut bullshit where they had to make everything a joke everything was funny every male character had zero balls and always had to be saved by a woman for whatever reason and it's just like yeah it just became garbage well like i don't know i was like you know uh i just don't i just don't it's just like what is this you're just tying all these movies together like i don't yeah, know for like, no it's like, reason. and it's like it's exhausting too it's like to watch like the next Avengers movie, it's like you gotta not only do you gotta go back and watch like fucking the Avengers movies, but like you gotta to understand what's going on, you gotta go watch Iron Man, you've gotta yeah. go watch Captain America. Well you gotta watch all them like, bad T V shows, all those Disney Plus shows, which yeah, sucked. Get, I watched them yeah, all almost and they too. sucked. Yeah. Yeah. Well here he, So we get Yeah, our bo- yeah. our boy Lou like the end of the movie you know he got away from the police they couldn't charge him now he's got two vans of his own he's got young employees wearing polo shirts they're green as fuck they don't mm-hmm. know anything so he's he's not only has he upgraded his business now with the money he got but he's got two news vans driving around so pretty much he replaced bill paxton which i guess we never talked about he sabotaged bill paxton's brakes and bill paxton got all crippled and fucked up yeah, we don't really know what man. Bill. They didn't really conclude what happened yeah. if he died. He was still alive when they were filming him, but no, he even more so. I would say that he stole his his whole everything, his, his yeah, idea, his and business everything, plan, yeah. everything with the two vans. Because that's what Paxton was talking about. He's like, he's like, you can run my second van that I'm going to get, and blah, blah. And it's just like he to a T from the from the beginning when he saw Bill Paxton on the side of the road filming the car crash, he just completely stole uh, Bill Paxton's uh, business plan and everything. Yeah, his his whole career outlook and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's like I'm sure probably some of the shit we're talking about probably makes this movie seem interesting. But like, really, it does have great writing. It does have great acting. But it's really just the the mood and the tone and the cinematography that this movie has that makes it so great. I remember the credits too. Like, I love to seeing this in the theater. Just the credits rolling over that hillside with the moon in the background, like. It's just a fucking moody movie, and it never really breaks that mood for the entire time. Like, there's no, never any comic relief. There's never any, like, bullshit side plot. There's no, like, romance. It's just complete sociopath shit for a fucking two hours straight. Well, how we brought up, and I know we were talking about this before, so I'll just kind of bring these kind of comments that we've talked about before we were uh, recording the podcast, was how this movie was more in the actual spirit of Taxi Driver, whereas um, was it like a few years later we've got um, uh, Joaquin Phoenix and Joker, where they yeah. like blatantly tried to. And by the way, he won Best Actor, Joaquin Phoenix. Rightly which, so. Which I'm I gotta say though, that's why I don't like that movie. It's just too unoriginal. Yeah, no, I mean it's blatantly in your face. Whereas this tried to like do a nice nod and have its own originality whereas like they tried to take uh mar you know uh dc characters and like 
it's like a overlay cover, like a you know over top of taxi driver, basically blatantly. Yeah. And um, yeah, you know, this is more like this feels more like um, this film's more reminiscent of a actual Scorsese film. Yeah. Uh, anyway, where like the bad guy does win, and um, we get that in Martin Scorsese's um, uh, Wolf of Wall Street too, as well, where like yeah. ultimately the evil does win and stuff, and it all like comes together and works out. We get that in Joker too, but like Joker is just straight up like trying to steal. Like it's pretty much beat for beat is like almost uh, you know identical remake, yeah. a DC version remake of Taxi Driver. Joker is Minus just like him driving. Well, it's taxi around. driver, and it's also the king of comedy a little bit too, with That's all his stand-up comedy scenes. And it's just like it's pretty much like somebody at the movies too, which was weird because I remember like when that project started, they're, they're like, "It's going to be directed by Scorsese, and it's going to start Leonardo DiCaprio's Joker." None of that was ever true. It was always going to be the guy who made fucking old school and all those dick comedies from the nineties. And like, I don't know how that rumor ever got started, but it was just like. Really, the whole point of the Joker movie is, what if there was a Martin Scorsese movie that Martin Scorsese didn't direct? Ooh, comic book shit. Like, it's like, if you like the movie, you like the movie, that's fine. But there ain't no way you can be over 30 and have seen Taxi Driver and fucking The King of Comedy and get anything really out of that movie. Yeah, and also, like, I want to bring up, like, again, don't, don't get me, don't misread me. I did enjoy Joker. I enjoy Nightcrawler and, of course, the Taxi Driver way better than Joker. But I do enjoy Joker. I own it. Yeah, I, I got, a, like I got it. an $8 it, 4K copy. Um, I do recommend it. Yeah, I kind of got that one when it first came out because I liked it so much, actually. I kind of made the mistake on just, no, that was just a Blu-ray. Yeah. So I think I bought that full price, but uh i digress um and of course they're working on the sequel right now yeah. to joker but i, I want to add that there was two movies that um uh, i think they both came out like either that or a year apart those two movies is joker and that queen and slim movie where oh, there's yeah. like this riot shit and, yeah. and, and like and, and a lot of people don't realize and maybe not correlate this but like uh uh we had the uh the pandemic riots and stuff like that right. lockdown riots and shit with all the you know police the social stuff. protests yeah yeah i don't want to i don't know i don't know if it's going to stop you from getting hits or whatever for me saying certain things hot hot button things so hey, honestly i don't think people would turn it off based on what we would say or not say i just think no, people would probably tire of hearing about it well, no, I know YouTube was actually like listening. I know you don't put this on YouTube. But I don't know how like uh, the pod pod things are. No, now. It, it automatically like, gets uploaded shit. to uh, YouTube, but I don't know how much they oh. they're able to analyze it. Yeah, they do analyze stuff, and I guess like they they divert uh, your uh, clicks or you know, whatever yeah. clicks and stuff if you say certain hot button things. And I guess but pandemic. We, yeah, stuff we get was... we, we dude, we get we get probably like the two places where this comes out all the audio podcast places and then youtube dude we get literally 90 percent more listens on the regular audio podcast side the youtube right. shit was just it was a feature of podbean so i just connected it because i could you oh, know what okay I mean? yeah yeah so it's like an afterthought yeah it's just a complete what I, afterthought what what i wanted to say about that was though that i felt that the like hollywood was actually orchestrating like uh, or trying to put it in the minds of the american people and they did it with both of those films like yeah. call me crazy or conspiracy theorist but it really seemed like 
uh, they were blatantly like, yes, riot. And they put yeah, they in were. Joker and that Queen and Slim. Uh, and I just felt like they were like some kind of propaganda. I think movies. the Queen and like, Slim it, thing was more of a propaganda, though, back because it's literally about a like. It was, it, it was blatant. It was like a cop pulls him over and it's an arrest yeah. gone wrong type thing. Yeah. yeah. But Joker, you like. It didn't even make sense. Like, Joker was just like, let's make sure that there's a riot at the end. Yeah. And this and that. And it didn't even need, it didn't even need to be there. No. Like, 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 you know how Joker should have ended, dude? Was he should have shot Robert De Niro, and then the cops should have walked in and arrested him, and that should have been the end of the movie. Well, he could have ended there, and then you have the whole, uh, when he goes to the psych ward stuff, and there's that ending. It just doesn't make any sense. It just like seems totally tacked on. Like while they were filming the movie, they're like, uh, their producers called up and was like, "We need a riot in there. Um, <laughs> we need to solve this right yeah, now." Yeah, we, like, we, we really because there is like a there's a I think it's just like a lazy and screenwriting trope more than anything is like the idea that the people are going to rise up, but like they always they always like you know I guess maybe in real life it's like that too but it's like it's always just like in the movies there's always like the group of the most stupid ass people going out and breaking <laughs> shop windows and overturning cars yeah. it's like what is that really gonna fucking do you know what i mean yeah i just thought uh, yeah again i i just that i think that sours that film and stuff of course you know yeah. nightcrawler we don't get like a riot at the end no, so clearly it's just a like, chase, you know, yeah. yeah yeah so but yeah nightcrawler man like yeah it was great it's great to Kino. you have on to do this and uh, i'm glad we could cover this movie because i don't hear like anytime i bring nightcrawler up to anybody um it's always like really good comments and everyone's like oh yeah that's great film but like i don't really hear anybody talking about it as no. much as since it's come out and stuff i know like there was a couple years uh, from four, 2014 2015 and then it just kind of died down and i don't know if there movie cucks out here be like oh there's way better films that have come out since it's like yeah i mean don't get me wrong i love american psycho and everything but movie cucks will just hold on to american psycho and patrick bateman memes and shit it's like it should be all about lube bloom and steady hands baby right yeah no you know i never got onto the you know and that's another thing i'll be one of the maybe one of the first to say that i think that american psycho is overrated i never got on that fucking band and these the same guys that really put american psycho over were like the same ones that put the matrix and i know you like the matrix we were talking about the new matrix movie i i kind of liked it i know movie cucks are not liking it yeah i I like the new matrix i think the new matrix is the best one since the first one personally but yeah I liked Matrix when it came out and everything, and it was cool, and I like sci-fi, dystopic-type stuff and everything, but I just, I just... I thought it was, like, getting more hype than it should have, and, um... Yeah, man, I think those are the same people that, like, really hyped American Psycho, and it seems like people that never saw Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Yeah. Sucking American Psycho's dick, and I'm like, yeah, I don't, you know, I saw, I saw Henry already, so like, I thought that that was already pretty chilling, and this is like, this is like a, you know, Hollywood version of 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 Henry, in my opinion. So I wasn't super impressed with it. I remember um, when American Psycho was bouncing around, and before it filtered down, before the what do you call it, the major studios, like you know, whatever. Were like decided, oh, we can't do this because the book was so gory and shit. 
but like uh, and it was unadaptable they, they would claim uh, but I remember there was a rumor that Oliver Stone was going to direct it with DiCaprio and I, I've always been like man I wish I could have seen that version of the movie I guess that would have been interesting. I wonder if he would have uh, won an Academy Award that year for it. I mean, it, there's, I, you know, I have name, I was just talking about it last night about how DiCaprio, because I saw Departed was on, I don't know if it was on HBO Max or Netflix, and I'm like, Departed um, is yeah. weird though. Why did Scorsese remake an Asian movie? Well, why is that the film that Leo wins the Academy? Yeah. Like, it's okay and all, but like, I don't, you know, he should have won it for Best Supporting Actor for What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Uh, he should have won it for um, Basketball Diaries. I was going to say, Basketball Diaries is a better yeah. performance than fucking The Departed. Yeah, no, I mean, he's, like, when he was young, he was doing, and I thought he should have won the Academy Award for um, Aviator. His performance oh, yeah, for sure. Aviator. For sure, dude. So, when he, when yeah. he's got all the piss bottles lined up in his personal home theater, <laughs> and his, it is, I, that was actually on last night, when I, right before I ate dinner, uh, you watched that. Yeah, she was making dinner, and I was yeah, watching Aviator, and he's rolling around. Yeah. He's got all the tissues for, like, all his, I guess his cum. I don't know. Maybe he's blowing his nose. Yeah. Like, his hair grew long. His fingernails are long, yep. and the piss bottles are lined up, and he's, and, like, he got all burned up because he was in that airplane wreck, and then he's screaming yeah. in front of the scene as it's, like, projecting the footage from his movie and his crash and shit. Then they're buck, buck naked. Yeah, buck naked. And, and like, the, his, yeah. the people that work for him are begging him to come out, and he's, like, on the side of the door screaming how he won't come out. And he's just been in there with piss bottles for like I think it was like thirty eight days or something. He wants the the uh, the 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 chocolate chip cookies with a certain amount of chocolate chips. He did. He did. <laughs> he, and, you know what's a great scene too? Because it was on the other night when he goes to that party and and like all these famous movie star chicks are coming up and they like they want they want to get fucked by Howard Hughes. And he has to go into the bathroom to wash his hands with his own personal soap that he brings. Yeah. And then, then there's like a cripple guy who's on crutches. He comes out of the bathroom. He just took his shit. And he's and like, he's all weirded out by him. Yeah, because the guy's like, because <laughs> like it wasn't, they didn't have like paper towels up on the wall. Like there was just like a table yeah. with like, you know, linen towels. And he's just like, can you hand me a towel? And like DiCaprio could just take it and throw it to him, but he won't even do that. He's right. like, "No, I can't." And he's just standing there washing his hands, and the and the crippled you know, guy's just like, well, "Thanks a lot, fucker." Like, <laughs> like, like he's gonna get crippled. Yeah. Like, there's a guy crippled disease, and he's gonna get see, he's gonna get sick from see, him. See, shit like that is like great scenes in movies that mm-hmm. fucking morons like Bob Iger will never understand. Yeah, there's all these subtleties in Aviator. Um, my favorite scene is the when he's like. I gotta see the blueprints. Gotta see the blueprints. Yeah. <laughs> Let me see the blueprints. And yeah. uh, I just love that. I mean, there's just so many scenes that are great. But yeah, no. Uh, Leo should have won the Academy Award for oh, that. Yeah. That's another film uh, he should have won the Academy Award for. Yeah, I don't get The Departed or anything. But yeah, uh, Disney will never. I don't think that Leo will ever do a production for Disney. No, I don't know. I don't yeah, them. he can't. He can't compromise himself that mm-hmm. much. No, because they're gonna like they're gonna be like, okay, well, we got to do this and that, and it's just like he's not gonna, he doesn't need. He's basically at the uh, Michael Keaton level yeah. now too. Where I, I read an article about Michael Keaton where he was like, I just do the projects like I fucking want to do. Like I don't need to work. I don't need to work. I work because I want to. And Leo yeah. is pretty much at that point now where he's like, I don't need to make a film every year like now i can just yeah. make what i want and, he's like uh, i make what i want 
I fuck nineteen year olds mm-hmm. when I want, and yeah. then you're because yeah. he's not like Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence, every movie she does, three years later, oh, it was a terrible experience. I felt so exploited as a woman. Now she's got a new forty uh, year old version style movie where she's a thirty two year old woman trying to fuck the brains out of some nineteen year old kid for money, and like that that is going to be the end of her career because that movie's going to come out, nobody's going to see it, and then five years from now she's going to be like, oh, did you see how exploited I was when I did that movie? And it was it was the ruin. Uh, all women should be offended that I was forced to do this for money and it's just like that's not leo man he ain't gonna do some horse shit and then be crying about it years later you know what i mean well yeah i mean i and he's he's definitely like the modern day like robert de niro or like i know these guys like some of the or al pacino he's like all those guys rolled into one now he is he really he really has become that and these guys i know he's given appreciation and said yeah you're like my idol you know you like you guys are my idol and stuff like that especially robert de niro i know and um yeah i mean jack nicholson and stuff like that you know i know he's mentioned them being great but like yeah i know i hear this all the time now that like uh guys can't get work because leo's like they're like, yeah, they're, like they didn't cast me because uh, Leo tried out for the part and said he actually wanted it. So most white yeah. uh, males in their like for late, you know, mid to late forties, fifties, unless Leo passes on the project, like they cannot get the starring role in the movies. Like, exactly. you know, like like they will sit there and wait with the project on hold for five years in case Leo might say yes before right. before they would go film it tomorrow with some jerk off like Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, definitely, Chris. Like, I don't know where's that guy going to be in ten years. Like, I just wonder about him. Well, you know what? What sucks too is Michael Mann tried to help him out with that movie Black Hat, and it's probably the best Chris Hemsworth movie ever. And then, like, yeah, like he just—he's well, not a bad actor. He's whatever, not. He's but... not bad. He just needs to stop working out. He needs to get skinny and get serious. You know, like Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy was getting all big and buff and doing these corny ass movies. I mean, he's still yeah. doing corny movies, but at least they're quirky now. And, like, he finally gave that up. He's getting skinny again, and, like, he's just doing more actor roles, you know, that require him to act, you know? Be a regular guy. Yeah, yeah. so you're saying that he needs to get, like, a Joaquin Phoenix Joker or, like, a Christian Bale machinist. What, Joaquin role Phoenix, yeah, well, Joaquin Phoenix is different. Joaquin Phoenix looks like he, he uh, literally survives off of uh, menthol cigarettes and mouthwash only. Like, Yeah, no, he is a heavy smoker, <laughs> and uh, he has, like, an unhealthy lifestyle. Yeah. And uh, I also heard to slim down for the first Joker. I seen him on the seat. looks like he's slim down again for joker 2 here because i've seen some uh photos and clips and stuff of him running down the street uh but i heard that like what he would do is just like eat an apple and that was like his meal for the day i heard colin because colin farrell it's been a while but colin farrell did a couple movies where he slimmed down and and all he would eat would um be one apple a day and cans of diet coke and cigarettes and that was it yeah apparently an apple is like the the diet that's what gets you through yeah i don't get it yeah uh, what did you think of? Did you see the Batman bringing up Colin Farrell? What I did. It, I, I did, and my my verdict on that movie is the actual the Batman guy, the Bob, my guy, Big Shot Bob Pattinson, amazing, great. Yeah. What what really puts that movie almost in the just middle of the road for me is I hated all the villains. Like Colin Farrell. Is, you didn't like Colin Farrell's no, Penguin, huh? No, it wasn't I interesting. Did. I, I did. I I. Uh... Because it, was, it wasn't just the transformation. Like, he really did become that character. Like, I, you know, he really did fully embrace it. 
I yeah. don't. I think the writing might have been poor, and like the dialogue, poor, yeah. and that's not his fault. No. I don't think that's his fault. I think he did everything and he could. Catwoman was brutal in it. Zoe Kravitz. Um, and then the, I think the thing that kind of ruined the movie for me was like Riddler was boring as fuck. Tra- trash oh, bag God. Riddler was boring as fuck. Yeah. That was like the most obvious like John Doe oh, Seven Zodiac. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then uh, uh, the thing that really, like, the turd that left the taste in my mouth was the end where they, like, they go in and it's, like, just obvious, like, sequel baiting bullshit. Like, uh, Trash Bag Riddler goes into prison and he meets, like, weirdly bizarre, deformed, boring-ass Joker. And I'm like, that was, like, the worst interpretation. It's only for, like, a minute at the end, but it's, like, the worst interpretation I've ever seen of Joker. And I know people give Jared Leto shit because they don't like the look of the tattoos and all that shit. I like Jared Leto's actually acting take on the Joker. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if it's stylistic. I guess it's modern face tattoo shit or whatever works. But, uh, yeah, his performance, I mean, it's fucking Jared Leto. Like, you know, Dallas Buyers Club, baby. Like, you know, Come on, uh, this guy is fucking pure Kino. Like, I don't know personally, he seems like a weirdo in person or it's whatever. Just a, but... He doesn't really care about acting. He just does music. He likes music, baby. Yeah. Uh, but no, he see he's ever since I saw him in Requiem for a Dream. Like, yeah, I mean, like this dude is fucking got what it takes. And like anybody yeah. that's gonna give Leo a run for his money is gonna be Jared Leto. Oh yeah, like, I mean, is, if Jared you know? Leto stopped doing the music thing and concentrated full time, you know what's an, an, another great one of my favorite Jared Leto performances is Lord of War, where he plays Nicolas Cage's brother. He's awesome in oh, that. Okay, yeah, I've only seen that once. I need to revisit yeah, that. We need to cover that, stuff, baby, because yeah. it's very Kino on the. Uh, I know, like War is like very cool now. People like spend a lot of money on War, and it gets them all excited. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But like back then, it was really like really trying to make you think about where does every single bullet in the world come from and it's going to end up in fucking somebody's body pretty much baby. It's like, you know what i mean like, yeah i need to revisit i need to revisit that um yeah. and uh, i totally forgot until you're bringing it up now i totally forgot uh, jared leto was in that so yeah, i don't know why i forgot that and they play but... russians too so they got cool russian accents I guess it wasn't like one of his more like like a Dallas Fires club no. or Requiem for a Dream like super standout where he's like no. I don't know it's like I mean it's a supporting role as something. well too yeah. let's be honest like well he was supporting in uh, Dallas Fires club but yeah. he might as well have been the fucking star because yeah. he I mean I love Matthew McConaughey I did and too it was just but... like they were competing mm-hmm. like it's almost like Jared Little's like boy. yeah I'm the supporting actor here but uh. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna rock the, this fucking and the best star. thing is like as Kino as Leto is then he goes and does Morbius <laughs> and makes it amazing so and I've yet to see it I, I love mean, Morbius for pushing it like dude it's so dirt cheap at fucking Walmart right as now and I just be. like I'm like five dollars I love and Morbius. I'll buy the, I'll yeah. buy the 4K for five dollars <laughs> it it will be five dollars on Black Friday which isn't too far away now baby. Yeah let's, yeah, let's hope so. I mean, I even bought Halloween Ends before I bought Morbius. Mm. So that's pretty bad. I'm waiting for that Groove.com $13 Halloween Ends, and then I'll order it. I paid. Uh, it was opened and, and already viewed, but the disc is like mint. Like They probably put it in like once. I got it on eBay on auction for $15 okay. for the 4K. And I, I know you said you thought I overpaid, but I'm like I'm still wa- looking at Walmart, and it's like yeah. what twenty seven dollars or whatever. At well, Walmart. there's like a weird thing now where like yeah, like because it used to be movies would come out for like twenty three to twenty five, and they would drop super quick to nineteen ninety nine, and then after like another eight months, they would drop to like fifteen, 
and then they would kind of stabilize and stay around 13 to 15. But now mm-hmm. there's like this weird shit where it's like during pandemic times, I guess it's like it's 30 bucks, and then all of a sudden, like you get wait a year or two, it's and, 15. Yeah, yeah, it's half yeah. price. Yeah, right. It's within like about a month, uh, month's time and stuff. But we were t- no, we were talking about this Best Buy thing where they're like. They're M- the MSRP, like they're not even joking around. Like they're trying to sell fucking 4Ks yeah. for MSRP, and like they're jacking their prices up and stuff like that. And then I watched the whole guys. I stumbled this guy, across this guy's YouTube, and he's like, "I think it's a mistake." But you told me that um, it's not a mistake, no. and there's like a subscription, like or some kind of membership thing, and you can get a deal. Yeah, they're trying to sell this like membership thing for your whole house. Like you pay like 200 bucks a year, and they'll come out and they'll fix your PC and they'll look at your washing machine and then if like all this bullshit and then like and then if you have that too they're going to give you a discount so then they'll sell you a blu-ray for only five dollars more than what it is on amazon and it's just really ridiculous because like best buy used to honestly like back when everybody was buying all their blu-rays and shit on amazon just automatically because they have prime subscriptions i would always buy my shit from best buy and it would i would always get every single movie three to four dollars cheaper than the amazon price but like yeah best buy is just like best buy is all about the gimmicks and the the price margins now and they're just like well they're trying to phase out physical media because it was drastically less when i went there around christmas yeah like store-wise they just want to get rid of it because store-wise it doesn't like they used to use cds and movies as a way to get you into the store and get you loyal as a customer so you would buy your washing machine there now they're just like they're streaming cucks basically and now they're just like you'll come in here and you'll only buy a cell phone you'll only buy a tv and you'll only buy a washing machine or refrigerator and that's all we want you to come into best buy for and i'm like okay that's cool but i I mean, like, like I'm done with Best Buy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, when I was going and when I lived in Nashville and I was going to the nearby uh, Best Buy down there, I remember they had like three, four fucking row shelves of media, and now it is down to like one. And then there's like some little side cap thing. There was another little thing, and then there's some little promotional 4k that's actually where i got that uh halloween kills and you were like whoa dude where did you get that steel book yeah. and i'm like the 4k steel book and i was like it was the last one and it was in the front display thing yeah. the 4k display thing and there was only one left and i know this is like going for a lot and i that's mean i don't much all the stores that. have now yeah. is that little front display thing now i that's what i was hearing but like this one um they had a shelf and actually there's these guys that came in and scanned the shelf. Like they were like going down the line and him and his buddy and they were like scanning the shelf and stuff for new media and stuff like that that was in. And they I was actually surprised they had the um uh uh Army of Darkness is it a steel book, four K steel book. Yeah, I got that one. They had, it's beautiful. Yeah, I didn't pick it up but because they that was actually not on sale, but it wasn't yeah. like super expensive either. Um but yeah, I dropped more money than I wanted to that day, that that evening when I went there, and I was supposed to be actually Christmas shopping for other people, and I'm like yeah. greedily shopping. But I also picked up that 4K of uh, the Batman at Target for 15 bucks, and that's still yeah. fucking. I think that's what the Blu-ray at Walmart's like now finally down to. Yeah, so it got like cheap got for a little bit, but then it went back up in price. I mean, it's like, I always shop for deals, but there's certain things I just, like, if I get tired, they never go on sale, I'll just finally bite the bullet. Like, if I'm tracking the price on something for a year, I'm like, I'm tired of wasting my time tracking a price that never goes down. I just bite the bullet and buy it. But for most part, yeah, like, I, 
it's even 4Ks and shit. Like it's really it's really either only an import or like some special steel book or something, or like just some rare occasion that I have to go over twenty bucks per movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I did that with the um, Martyrs Umbrella. I guess you'd call that a, that is an import. Yeah, um, it is. Twenty seven dollars. I had to pay for that, but like that's not honestly, bad really for Umbrella. Well, least. it well. Because the U.S. Blu-ray that came out, I think it's from the Weinstein Company, yeah, is like, yeah. For, yeah, for obvious reasons, is like way out of print, and it was going for a fortune. Yeah, I only like, have the I'm Weinstein like 50, DVD that. Bucks. Yeah. yeah, for the Blu-ray, and uh, so now this Blu-ray's come out from, and, and I was like looking at, I'm like, okay, if you want to bitch about twenty seven dollars, twenty eight dollars, uh, you know, for a Blu ray, and it comes with, I mean, for the cardboard cucks out there, it does come with a slip cover. And so if you want to bitch about that, go ahead and look to see the original American Blu-ray and see what they're trying to sell that fucker for used. Right. I mean, you're talking fifty, eighty bucks. I mean, it's like this is this is nothing and with my whole messing with uh, German imports and my mistake of importing the German Blu-ray and realizing I didn't even take it out of the package because I'm like, this does not have English subtitles. This is useless to me. Yeah. (laughs) I've been burned on a few things like that. Usually more like gifts that people give me and they don't realize what it is, but yeah. But it's like, uh, yeah, I've been getting a lot of German imports in the last year because like just shit never would come out here and i get tired of waiting you know what i mean oh yeah absolutely um yeah you're gonna have to get that girl next door uh you were like i'll buy that i remember we were talking the other day and you're like i'd buy that on 4k in a heartbeat and i'm like well uh this german company is releasing a steel book or digi book of it and you're like ah fuck that i'll just get the blu-ray i'll just get the cheap american blu-ray i didn't realize it was an import when you were telling me about it that's a great movie i remember i caught i mean i can't remember if i rented it or watched on cable but that movie sent chills up my spine and then there was another version of that because it's based on a true story and like that happened in like the 50s or maybe early 60s and there was like another version that came out that was like more star-studded uh I think it was like produced by Franco or maybe he was in it and Catherine uh, whether and Catherine Keener was in it and I think Ellen Page was in it and I watched that version and that version sucked compared to the Ketchum version um yeah I mean there's yeah Ketchum uh he lived in the neighborhood interestingly enough um uh Ketchum passed away here not too long ago like and my buddy ago, 40 yeah. seconds yeah 42nd street pete was actually like old friends with him i think they oh, grew up near each other that's cool and um yeah and catch him he reconnected with catch him at like uh uh conventions and stuff jack catch actually pushed uh pete and kept reading his stuff and saying you know you should publish some of your fiction writing and stuff like that and kind of encouraged him to take it more seriously as far as like fiction writing and that's why pete um you know, started doing stuff and I worked with him recently on a short story collection or whatever, but, uh, which he actually does has a little comment at the little intro thing, uh, where he, he, uh, thanks, uh, Jack for getting him, getting him into publishing, doing more fiction writing or whatever. But yeah, from what I understand, like, uh, Jack lived, I think lived near there or something uh, around that time period, uh, when that was going on. So, um, he kind of had more, a little bit more firsthand experience or whatever with mm. that particular story. But, um, you know, yeah, a lot of people put over girl next door, but I believe that, um, in my opinion, as far as film adaptions, I, 
I hate to say I've never read any of Jack Ketchum's actual books. Um, I'm only familiar with them through film adaptions, but my favorite film adaptions of, of his works was um, The Lost mm-hmm. and uh, Red, um, which we should we could segue into talking about Red there. Yeah, up I need Red to see because that still. That's like the one I haven't Tom, really seen. Yeah, our, the boss, uh, type Tom Sizemore, recently uh, passed away, and um, I was hoping we could dedicate this episode actually to uh, uh, the memory of Tom Sizemore. Uh, it's the last role that I remember him being really great, and I don't know if he yeah. did anything after that. I think that was like uh, 2009, 2008 when that came out. It's yeah. the last film I remember seeing him in. So, Tom, but, uh, Tom, Tom Sizemore, unfortunately starring it, in Celebrity Rehab or whatever that show was. Yeah, I guess that was his last big thing, and people really liked him in that, actually. But, uh, yeah, Tom Tom uh, recently had an aneurysm, and as soon as I saw it on the news, I was like, oh, he's done because yeah. he's had some serious drug and alcohol problems and stuff. And I just yeah. was – yeah, I was just like, he is not going to pull through from this. I don't think his body's strong enough. And, uh, yeah, sure enough, his family had to um, – he went into a coma, and I think it was like a week probably sorting like his estate and everything out and yeah. and wanting to say in their goodbyes and they pulled pulled him off life support so here yeah, what was it so uh four days ago five days ago yeah i think it was like six days ago yeah yeah it wasn't it was not even a week yet of us recording this episode yeah. so i yeah i think this uh robert blake and not- sizemore in the same week pretty much yeah, that's true. We could, yeah, we could dedicate it to both those actors actually, because they're yeah. both fucking pure Kino, man. Oh, uh, the Electric Guy in Blue was uh, the best Robert Blake movie. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, I'm gonna have to check that out too. You're, yeah, you're we got we gotta see it. It was one of my dad's favorite films, so he kind of handed it down to me. And like, yeah, at my my dad's memorial service, I put his copy of uh, Electric Guy in Blue on the table. <laughs> oh, with that's his cool, ashes, yeah. yeah. Uh, so what's your favorite Tom Sizemore performance? Probably fucking um, Skagnetti and uh, Natural Born Killers. Yeah. yeah, that's what I figured you were going to say. It's yeah. just the fucking sleazy character. Yeah. We get the great reference of um, uh, is the, um, uh, what is it? He's mentioned in uh, Reservoir Dogs, too, is the yeah. uh, probation parole officer. officer. Yeah. Pro- yeah. Yeah, pro- parole officer, but we never Just actually fuck see Skagnetti. Him. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and they all know him. He's legendary Skagnetti. Yeah. But uh, yeah, in uh, Natural War Killers, he's like a serial killer or whatever, detective, yeah. but he's a serial killer, too. Yeah. And of course, that scene when they pull, when they come out of the pharmacy or whatever, that's like the fucking most epic fucking oh, scene awesome. of his entire career. He's like so coked up. <laughs> it's like, a, it's obviously like a bullshit movie. But I liked him as like one of the the villain guy in uh, I think it was Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man. He's just kind of like in yeah, the office somewhere. Right. But I liked it. Yeah. yeah, no, he's great in that. Um, uh, he's great as you know, and it really worked too. Um, him, I know he's in that Black Hawk Down. I don't. I, if yeah. I've seen it, I only saw it once. But no, Saving Private Ryan is just like one of the World War Two grunts of this. You know, fucking. He just works as like he could have worked in Platoon too back in the day or any like fucking war- Hamburger Hill. He just like one of the rogue gallery, you know, players in, you know, in the unit. And uh, he just works and he doesn't steal the show or anything in Saving Private Ryan. Obviously, Tom Hanks wouldn't let that fucking happen. Well, he, he, and, obviously, uh, he's awesome in Heat as well. I mean, he's really yeah, awesome in Heat. 
But yeah, uh, you, you know what's a great fucking um, great, not a great movie, but it's like so bizarre that you want to fucking watch it is because he was in Heat and he was in, you know, Natural Born Killers. Like his one big payoff as the leading man is that that sci-fi monster movie Relic. I don't know if you ever seen that bat, but it's, yeah, I it's I think I only seen it once or whatever. I and now I don't. I vaguely I didn't even remember. I've only seen it once, so I didn't even remember he was in Relic. So. But it's directed by Peter Hyams, who's like insanely obsessed with darkness. So it's like basically what it is is like some animal or something. Some some guy gets infected with DNA that 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 works at this like natural like science museum whatever and he and he lives and he's like down in the basement he transforms into a monster and he keeps growing and growing and he's like killing people in this big museum right and uh sizemore is like the homicide detective who's working with the lady who works at the museum and shit and it's just weird that he gets to play the role like the main role and it's like hyams is obsessed with darkness so like even though this takes place in like a museum like every shot you can barely see anything like you barely see people's faces and shit and it's just great because you get to see like you know whatever it is an hour and a half two hours of size more pretending to be a cop pretending to be a normal guy like i don't know it's just it's just a fun fucking movie and then at the end like a giant stan winston monster comes out like a dinosaur sized monster comes out and they have to kill it you know and shit well, that was back when uh, Sizemore was like not super strung out on drugs. Right? No, yeah, I mean, like, like I'm watching a clip of it right now, and like he's not all skinny and shit. He looks normal. Yeah, like, it's it's just weird that like post, um, you know, when his like when his when he started getting bigger roles like Black Hawk Down in yeah. Saving Private Ryan is when um his actual like heavy shit was drug happening, addiction yeah. started. It's like. You'd think that this shit would tone down, but I'm guessing he's just one of those well, guys. Well, because he was like, dating Heidi funny. Fleiss at the time, and he was just, literally, it was just hookers all day long for him. And, you know, I don't know. I, I think he went through a divorce at some point, too. And, like, once he came out of the divorce, he was like, fuck it, it's hookers and, and coke and meth for me. So and he was into heroin, too, wasn't he, or I some shit? So. Like, he's yeah. into everything. He's into everything. Yeah. Which, I mean, honestly, with that kind of shit going on, like, if you're doing that much shit and you're mixing and mashing like that, like, you're, you'll are you be lucky to survive five years of that, let alone the 20 years he pretty much did. Right. So, yeah. I know Bai Ling was really sprung on him. She worked with him. She was always posting about him, even before he died. And, yeah, when, when he got sick and all that aneurysm shit happened, she was posting about him, still posting about him nonstop, with pictures of them together at uh, events and shit. Yeah, I haven't. I didn't see any real pictures. I didn't really want to look around too yeah. much. What do you look like? I know back when he was in the news on the, I don't know. He was like beaten. Beat. It was his girlfriend or wife or something. It was something he like beat yeah. or something too. Yeah. And uh, I know I saw pictures around then when he was really like binging or whatever, yeah. and he looked like shit. And uh, Which yeah, I, didn't, some... I knew once. It, I knew once he once he got that bad name about being like with domestic violence and shit, it's pretty much like. Uh, even though it clearly was drug fueled on yeah. uh, his end, it's pretty much and, over. I mean, whoever he was with was doing drugs too, so it was like they were. Right. Let's be yeah. honest, they were beating the shit out of each other. You know what I mean? Yeah, most likely. Yeah, yeah I mean, getting you know, nice mix of those, all those fucking drugs and alcohol and stuff. I'm, I'm telling you, Bat, we live in this culture, buddy, where everybody wants to tell you if you ain't doing drugs, man, you're a sucker, you're a square. Like you gotta smoke at least a pound of weed a week and all that shit. I don't care what like how harmless because i've known a lot of potheads in my life i don't care how harmless you think the drug is 
if you make that shit part of your everyday routine, like no matter what it is, it's going to catch up to you. And obviously different drugs are different strengths and whatever. But I'm just like, drugs are bad shit, man. Like you do not want to right. have drugs in your life on a daily or really even weekly basis in all honesty. And I, I mean, I, you know, I don't know who's listening to this or whatever. I don't mean to be preaching, but I'm just talking from my own personal life. And I've cleaned my life up. I stopped doing shit. And it's just like your life will be better. The 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 le- the put it this way: the less you do it, the better your life will be. Well, as someone that smoked marijuana for twenty years, wake would wake up in the morning and wake and bake, and pretty much all day long. And like, I cut it. I I cut it out for a while there. And like now, like on the weekends and stuff, I I'll like you know I'll smoke like a bowl or something, take a couple drags. Yeah. Well, ever since I cut it out of my morning routine, I I feel a lot better and. Um, yeah, I think the society is definitely is like you've got to have some kind of intoxicant in your system yeah. or you just like... Especially with pills. Good. Oh, my God. These young kids so obsessed with pills. Stay the fuck away from pills. Yeah, yeah. Now it's turned in... Now we're uh, after school special. This episode's turned into drug PSA. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I don't know. It's. I'm sure if Time Sizemore was here, he'd tell you. Yeah, he'd tell you, yeah. Yeah, he would probably tell you it's not a good idea. Like it's probably just. Not, I mean, so. if if it was a great idea just to do it all the time, why why was he in rehab fucking as many times as he was? Like he was trying to get off right. that shit. You know what I mean? I know. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know it destroyed. Like he he. I mean, honestly, like I don't know. Twenty years ago, he he was definitely a big fucking name in Hollywood and yeah. stuff. And um, I'm surprised that he worked on. He was in True, True Romance and Natural Born Killers, yeah. but yet he never worked with Tarantino. And I yeah. I have to believe that the drugs was a factor to why Tarantino. Oh, sure, I bet yeah. you he probably came in and read for roles, and Tarantino was like, and they were like, "Yeah, this guy's fucking." <laughs> or he probably just heard secondhand yeah. stories, like yeah. Right, he's like, yeah, I can't have this guy on my fucking set. Because uh, I mean, Oliver Stone, especially with National Killers, Oliver Stone, and I, you know, I have a hard time believing he never fell off the wagon at different points of his career. But Oliver Stone will tell you he was very, very addicted to cocaine for a long time. Right, and yeah, um, yeah I mean, I don't like if Sizemore was doing whatever he needed to do on the set or in his trailer to come out and do the takes. Even if uh, Oliver Stone knew what was going on, he probably was just allowing it for the sake of the you know performance. Well, yeah, it works for his character, too. Like, wasn't the character doing drugs or something, I think he was snorting coke the whole movie, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it works for the character and everything. And, like, um, not only that, you got Robert Downey Jr. And I think, uh, was was Downey Jr. like on drugs? Or was this around when No, at that time he was still on drugs, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, I I can only imagine uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Tom Sizemore hanging out in the trailer together. Fucking getting... (laughs) brutal the only way you could probably like whatever is make make the mix of the people worse if it's like you threw in fucking either leaf garrett or jeff conway <laughs> yeah yeah honestly yeah oh god well r.i.p to tom size yeah. uh, good fucking actor heavy. really good actor yeah really great actor yeah. yeah and that's just like yeah i was hoping that um he could be you know he would clean shit up and turn things around and he would would have gotten on to uh, be able to be in um uh tarantino's last film but you, you know what yeah but you know what sucks bad is like even if he did even if he was alive and got cleaned up is like 
that type of actor that Tom Sizemore was, that character actor, you know, a white guy of a certain age with kind of a kind of brooding whatever you know mystery about him like that type of actor is really not in demand anymore in the movie industry it doesn't fit into this actually they're offended like he's just his presence on on any of these modern sets is offensive yeah everyone they're like they like you got these kids now and they'd be like uh going to the director and they're like i I can't work on this film why because you have tom sizemore here yeah tom's not doing anything though he's clean and like uh he's been really friendly i don't care i'm offended that yeah, tom sizemore yeah, is even, he, even here yeah the, a man like the toxic masculinity let's let's <laughs> let's let's either get a man in here that we can a emasculate or better yet this role will be better when it fits a woman it's like okay cool right yeah can't we just recast which, this which, as a which by the way i know i probably come off borderline sexist i like I like movies about women. I like movies written by women. I like movies directed by women. I don't like to see women pretending to be men or men roles just just auto convert, change the name to, to a woman's name, and then throw a woman in it. You know what I'm talking about? Like, well, we you know we were bringing up we we were put, throwing a bunch of shit out here on uh, our I'm, I'm mainly I was too uh, on um, Jared Leto's performance in Dallas Buyers Club where yeah. he plays this transgender character. Right. Guess what, though? It worked for the role. That was like, that's yeah. actually historically yeah. accurate. Yeah. And you, my problem, I think, is that you're like writing your, these writers out here and these directors are writing these roles that don't, are not like accurate to that, you yeah. know, for that type of character. And they're just doing it to cater to uh, this woke, uh, wokeism or whatever you want to fucking call it out here. I just, honestly, it, like everybody says woke bat, but I think at this point it's just a formula that's been settled into, you know what I mean? But here's the thing about like the the gay community, trans community out here, is what they need to understand is these people are catering to you. They don't care. They actually don't give a fuck about you or your lifestyle. They these big Hollywood producers and directors, if you came to their home, you would not be welcome. Right. And the fact that they're, they're catering to you is because they want your money. Yeah, that's all they want. They know that you have money in your pocket, and they're going to do any. It's like a used car salesman. They're going to tell you anything that you know they can to get that fucking get break that money loose out of your yeah. pocket. And it really, they, they really do not support this lifestyle or anything like that. It's just that this is going to put butts in the seats or they believe that it's going to put butts in the seats. That's, that's Disney's for whole formula right now is that this is a moneymaker in 10 years when this isn't a moneymaker anymore. Trust me, they're not going to be catering to it. Yeah. And it's just like, I mean, I don't even think it's really a moneymaker now. Cause if you really, if you really care about cinema, like you're just not like a multiplex Disney movie goer. If you look at cinema, the place where uh, gay filmmakers have always thrived and where their films have always gotten the most attention is actually the art houses. It's not the multiplex. Mm-hmm. It's not the suburbs. Yeah. It's just, I mean, look at guys like John Waters, Greg Araki, like some of the best, you know, gay directors of all time. It's just like they they have a following and their films have endured for 30, 40 plus years because of like the films they make that aren't commercially viable. Like they make strong statements that, you know, like and like that's the thing is like the idea that like now you cast a gay actor, you get a gay director and then that movie is like made for all gay people. That's not the way shit goes down. Mm -hmm. It's just like, you know, you're either a great artistic filmmaker or you're not. And it's like, if you're making great art, your art will divide every community. It won't just cater to this community or that community or whatever. It's just like, 
You know, just like anything, like real true art is love it or hate it, take it or leave it. That's the way shit goes down. <laughs> and like the way yeah, these guys are making uh, cinema that transcends like generations, yeah. eras, whatever, whatever's going on in like uh, popular culture or whatever. It's like that's the staying power of it. And like when you make something that's like, okay, that was. 2022 2023 and it's just not like that's not what it's society's about and it's just like exactly it's it doesn't have any rewatchability or whatever and it's just really disposable and um i don't think john waters was making films like no. uh push push any kind of agenda no, it's like wasn't. yeah my friend is you know my best friend is divine and like this is just great and it yeah. wasn't even it was all tongue-in-cheek too and like laughing you know like yeah this looks bizarre as fuck and but this is great and it'll it'll visually look great but there's like didn't ever any of john waters work never seemed like it had some kind of agenda no. like i want everyone to be trans and gay and and embrace this well, if, like, if you really look yeah if you really look at john waters films and you like watch some of his interviews and shit like the guy is just like he's a maverick he's an outsider john waters would never want a mass audience or a huge group of people to like all do the same thing at the same time like his whole thing was like he as an artist and just the themes of his films he was against homogenization he was against bland yeah. shit he was again you know what i mean and it's just like i don't know it's just it's just weird how the message like like perfect example is like one, one of my um favorite greg iraqi movies they used to always play on ifc a thing or maybe it was sundance was the living end and it was like he had made movies before that but that was kind of like one of his breakout ones and it came out, I can't remember, either the really late 80s or the very early 90s. It's about these two guys that meet each other, these two gay guys. And they both find out that they have uh, HIV, AIDS, pretty much, pretty much AIDS. And that was back before all these drugs were, like, commonplace that would make you live forever. So it's, like, at that point, like, if you had AIDS, like, you were, like, basically, like, you had two years to live no matter what. Say your goodbyes. Right. And what the movie's about is these two young guys, you know, they don't have money. They don't have health insurance. They can't extend their lives. So they, like, just go on this, like, fucking, like, bizarre, insane road trip, whatever. And, like, I guess you could, like, be like, well, these are gay characters suffering from a gay disease. and But it's really not about that. If you watch the movie and what's powerful about it is it's about what would you do? How would your viewpoint, how would your outlook on life change if you knew you only had X amount of time left on this world? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, we all could die right. tomorrow, but we don't know that for sure. You know what I mean? Like, we could die tomorrow. We could live another 30, 40 years. But, like, when you know your time is up, like, what kind of extreme life, what kind of extreme things are you going to do? And, like, that's what I mean. It's like when you're making real art like that, as opposed to what Disney does, is they're like, they do all these interviews and everybody's like, Don't you? and like when you're an artist and you're talking about diversity and representation, that means you really don't care about diversity and representation. Because <laughs> it's like, you're, yeah, you're, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Your art should always speak for itself. You, there should not be the movie and the mouthpiece beside it. No, there should just be the fucking movie and whatever statement you make in that movie. And if you make a, a weak ass statement, if you make a statement where, like, we get to see characters holding hands or kissing for literally two seconds out of a two-hour running time, I'm sorry. You don't get to take credit for being, like, a master of subversive or original cinema. You know what I mean? Well, I just don't remember even – like, this seems to be rather new and like, I don't know, since, like – I don't know about the pandemic and everything that's, like yeah. – 
I need a I need a filmmaker to fucking tell me how to feel or how to right. think or give me some kind of commentary. I, I feel like that's what you're getting at. And like, yeah, that's not fucking art. And yeah, um, yeah it totally defeats the purpose of of um, interpretation, another person's interpretation or views um, or get what kind of vibes or whatever they pick up on on the film and it's just like if you're doing that like you should just be writing articles for like i don't know like like clickbait articles where you're yeah, just pushing yeah, your viewpoint on people yeah yeah that's what you should yeah, be and doing it's just like and the, the fact that the fact that hollywood is so i mean hollywood's always been a corporate machine for sure but the fact that it's such a corporate machine now run by uncreative people that their whole agenda is like we're going to make this type of movie and then we're going to make that it's like okay but like do you never care about if the movie's actually good or not or do you just want to pat yourself on the back for how welcoming and whatever you are you know what i mean cuz like in the world of independent cinema independent cinema is where all the uh basically minorities of society have made their artistic statements and it's like yeah you get a much smaller audience there but at the same time you make a much stronger piece of art you know what i mean <laughs> Yeah, everything's so agenda-driven nowadays, and it's, like, pretty sickening. And I was picking up on this vibe when I uh, started Exploited Cinema, where we were just, like, we were not going to cover any real modern films, and we were just going to try to pick uh, gems, because I was just getting this vibe from mainstream cinema. And it had been going on since the 90s, but it was, like, a crescendo of this in-your-face and, like, pushing agendas and trying to tell you how to feel and how to think and uh yeah of course like everything was just so homogenized that it was just getting like this is blatant in your face and i was just getting sick of it and i you know for a while there i stopped watching and it was kind of a negative because there are some gems out here that i was really doing a disservice to myself not checking out but it's just like yeah just like I don't know if this is like something bigger budget. Like, I don't, you know, and it has always been, if somebody was, if everyone was talking about a film and like pushing it over, it was like, yep, doesn't sound like me. You know, like if, if the masses are, are pushing this film and like, you know, your grandma has seen it. It's probably not. <laughs> well, you know what, I, you know what I hate though, bat is like when it's just obviously this weak ass piece of entertainment that has this agenda hide in it. And then if you call it out, they're like, Oh, but there is no agenda. We just accidentally made this movie. If you notice something, that means you have the agenda. It's like, you know what my agenda is, motherfucker? When I buy a movie ticket, <laughs> I want two hours well spent of watching good entertainment. And I'm sorry, yeah. but but I, I blatantly walked into all of your Marvel fucking mind traps and all your bullshit. And the movies are terrible now. And that's all mm. I care about. I have no problem. I actively seek out. Uh, movies with female leads i like that that's what i like to watch i don't like to watch stupid bullshit <laughs> that pretends like there's some battle of excitement. i hate to tell the people of the world this because there's always like this weird viewpoint people have the world but like it or not men and women need each other we need each other to survive that's why fucking 60 year old guys who have been divorced five times still have girlfriends like like men and women need each other and it's like we're different from each other, like we're opposite from each other, but for some reason we need each other. And this whole thing of pushing the superior race of one versus the other all the time and all this shit, it, it's 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 boring, it's lame to watch in a film, and it's like let it go away already. Let's get back to 
romance. Let's go back to camaraderie. Let's go back to watching men and women enjoy the company of each other on the screen the way they enjoy in real life. Like it's just fucking silly to me. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know what I think that everything is just reaching its peak now because like and, and um, you bring up the the Marvel yeah. <laughs> Marvel universe stuff and it's just like uh, I think that they are learning their lesson too and it's sad because I really like this Ant Man franchise but oh, they're God. all talking about the box office fallout of the new Ant Man movie. It's brutal, and dude. I've so seen horribly. it. It's brutal. I mean, I, I was I want I was wanting to go to the theater. I was actually because there is an art house theater. It's like one screen. It's like nearby, but they don't really play any like indies. Not like yeah. the art house theater in Nashville. Yeah. And they actually had it on um, the day before. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was uh, so they were sh- they had they had it showing on the Thursday, and it was preview, you know opening. Yeah. yeah, it was opening nationwide on Friday, and I was going to go down there on the Thursday and see it, but it just scheduling and everything didn't yeah. work out for me and then i'm like oh it's okay i'll go because every theater around here will have it and i just and then i was like reading as i never did this before but i started like reading reviews and like this and that and i'm just like oh it's know, i guess i'm gonna i love the oh, first two ant-man movies good. and like this one was like i just i just it's walked out it's I mean, it's it's middle of the road. Watch it for free on yeah. Disney Plus one day. But it's like, yeah. it's not really an Ant-Man movie. And it's just, like, literally all it is is about setting up this lame villain, which they're promising is going to, you know, run into the next 20 films. Going, And it's like, I don't care. Like, I don't like this fucker in this movie. Why do I care about they him? They want a standalone movie for yeah. this guy or whatever, too. Yeah, so have this, an origin this, movie about this motherfucker. Go do it. Like, don't do it in Ant-Man right. 3. And also, too, like, with the exception of Thor 4... Marvel movies, they really don't like to take them past, you know, each individual franchise. They really don't like to take them past three. So, like, this is probably the last Ant-Man movie we'll ever get, and it's not really even an Ant-Man movie. Yeah, I was I was hoping maybe we might get another Iron Man, but now what you're saying, it's like, yeah, I don't... And I guess I... I hear that uh, not that I'm a fan. I like was I watched that first. I never watched that first Avengers, and I finally watched it here recently. And I was like, I like Avengers I like two these... way better personally. I know a I lot don't of people like don't. These yeah. Well, technically, I guess the first Avenger is the um, Captain America movie because it's like the subtitle is the first Avenger. So I mean, it just, it just means he's the oldest of the Avengers team. Right. Yeah. 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 And I actually did like that. Um, I watched that recently too. I had seen Civil War or whatever was it, Captain America? Yeah, and, Civil War. And then I'm like, oh, there's another, there's another one, and I'm like, okay, I heard a little bit which, about which, this. By the, by the way, do you know why Captain America is called Captain America: The First Avenger? Because the First Avenger is the alternate title for countries that don't like America. So there was a bunch of. Um, uh, titles or sorry a bunch of countries that that like they, they they just knew it went like china and shit so like they in those countries it's only called the first avenger there <laughs> oh really yeah, wow. yeah so they could draw them in yeah yeah that. and not so turn them off them. with the word america you know what i mean right yeah man like it but what i was get what i was picking up and like i guess i never realized this because i stayed away from those films for so long is yeah. that like yes they're really designed to where you have to watch them all and like that's genius in a marketing thing yeah. because it's like oh well if you want to watch the new adventures movie you got to go back and buy all these or pay for the disney plus and we got you well you to be honest it was really fun that for like the first 10 movies or so but now it's just yeah. tedious baby yeah and especially someone that's not super familiar like you know with everything like 
I don't know. I just think it's I don't like what what they're doing, and I think that this is all, like I said, the Ant Man movie. It seems like they're starting to pay for this, and it's like they're they're finding out. Oh, this isn't guaranteed. I mean, granted, what they made off the box office for them to say that it was a box office flop, like I don't. I mean, flop flop is really hard to say because we don't know what they really spent on the marketing combined with the movie budget. So I mean. And how much money you're going to make on home video, uh, you know, when you when you put it on Blu-ray and 4K and stuff, you're going to make you're going to make all your money back. And... Well, a lot of these they put on streaming first, then the Blu-ray. They're like they're like, yo, so if you want the Blu-ray, you have to wait. And I'm like, well, that's kind of a mistake because like I'd rather get the people that are going to pay me twenty dollars each copy than the people who are going to pay seven bucks and have their whole household watch it. You know what I mean? Like... Right. Yeah, that's true. Because I mean, if you go to the movie theater. You don't pay one ticket for the whole household to come right. and watch the movie. Every every head's got to buy a ticket, and so that just yeah, I get that. Like I don't, I well, I don't, I never understood why you would release a movie simultaneously on like HBO Max while you're having it in the theater. Like that just seems like suicide to me. But yeah. uh, you know, I mean, it, it was they lost their ass. But like honestly, yeah. for me, Marvel like. I, I've kind of had enough at a certain point. Like, there was a lot of them I wasn't going to see in the theater. I was only going to see the ones that took, came out in like winter or whatever when I can go when it's empty, but all the summer ones I just skipped because I wasn't going to go to crowded theaters and put up with more. Like Every time I try to see a comic book movie within a crowded theater, it's it's not worked out. Like I almost got into fights and shit. And, um, oh, that's where the fights almost Yeah, broke. Black okay. Panther and the Venom. I was like, oh, fuck this. But yeah. no, like we went and saw that last because uh, it came out in the fall and there was lots of show times for it. And... Uh, I saw that Wakanda forever. God, that was so fucking shit. CGI shit, storytelling shit, character shit. I'm just like, I don't even know if I want to fucking watch these anymore. And I was like, well, at least Ant-Man's coming. I was excited for Ant-Man. And then it was like, but so- that looked like mostly CGI too, just from the trailer and stuff like And yeah. some of the clips I've seen it looked like, oh, they're going to go into this quantum burst and i'm like that's okay, all it is that's all it is, is yeah. CGI. it like, looks like spy fuck? kids and bullshit does it, it yeah like well i'll put it this way bat it's because it, the way they do these movies now because in order to get them done there's different cgi companies that do different parts of the movie and it's very apparent because there's some parts that are like very amateurish looking just like just really fake just looks like they're not even really in the background and then there's other parts that look pretty good but just overall the whole green screen shit cgi shit just it's it's ran its course i get why they wanted to do it for a while but it's just people aren't really digging it anymore so like i don't get why they're like no this is the way movies are made now and it's like well okay like have half the box office that you used to have then enjoy that well, sadly, uh, it sounds like the the whole purpose of that of the Ant Man sequel was to set up for that villain and also yeah. uh, Cassie, uh, uh, Ant Man's daughter, mm-hmm. uh, and I think she's because I she I was sucks. reading that. Yeah, she's not as good as the kid. The kid from the first no, two. No, she's uh, not. Yeah, and, and I guess they had another actress in one of the other. I don't know if it was in. Um, it wasn't in Avengers. It was another one where, and they had a different actress where she's like sixteen or like fifteen or fourteen. Yeah, they had, and then they because they did that time jump cool. shit where everybody got yeah. dusted and they came back. So his daughter grew up while actually he didn't get dusted. He was just stuck in the quantum realm for five years. Yeah, and then he came back. Right. 
And, like, honestly, like, they just shouldn't have done that. That whole five years thing with the Thanos dust and shit, it just, I don't know, it always, I don't want to make this Marvel cast, but it, that, no, I mean, that's where the storyline jumped the shark in Marvel, that whole thing. But no, I, you know, on the bigger picture and stuff, like, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that the Marvel universe is like, it's come, it's, it's going to slow or come to a head or yeah. that, that, um, that Disney does go, hmm. This is a poor investment for us to make these movies and just gets the fuck away from cinema. Well, they already announced just... that they're cutting back in order to Good. because they're broke. Then, they can't make all these movies anymore, but uh Well, they're expensive. Like the the price tag on some of these yeah. films like yeah, it's insane. Well, also like, too, they're getting more expensive too because all movies want to be all CGI now and there's only so many CGI companies so they have to like bid and bid and pay more to get them to redo it and keep doing it. It's just like it's not the C, the whole CGI like way of making films for the entire industry. That's not sustainable. Like for just from a, a just a general workflow, that'd be like that'd be like if you're like a house builder and you want to build a thousand mm-hmm. houses a year, but there's only like the wood to make like five hundred houses. You know what I mean? Like you can't right. you can't do it but, uh, unless you would just blow your load for like the entire year on yeah. one film. Exactly. Um, but yeah, no, I'm just hoping that this dies down and then uh, Disney Plus does just run with, oh, we're just going to make TV shows for our streaming platform. And it's just yeah. like, yeah, if you're into that shit, then you'll go to your uh, you'll you'll go to your specialty place, mm-hmm. Disney Plus, to view this and it won't keep encroaching into everybody else's, you know, right. uh, business here. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you, but I, I think a lot of the better films are being made. um like in Europe now, anyway, oh, yeah, we're back sure, to that again. Baby, yeah. David Cronenberg made his eaten plastic movie. Man, I mean, I'll watch, I'll watch, I'll watch, I'll watch Scott Speedman eat a plastic candy bar over this Marvel horseshit any day, baby. Yeah, and then uh, of course I hate to say it, and you haven't seen it, and I know there's a bunch of haters out here. They're saying the same thing they said about Black Phone. It's not really a horror movie. Yeah, no shit. I mean, it doesn't need to be this fucking. Uh, in a box, you know, homogenized type thing. But Infinity Pool, I've been really championing yeah. it. I've seen a bunch of fucking reviews that doesn't even. I actually talked to a guy and he's like, "Uh, garbage," or I can't remember, trash or something like that. And I was like, "Good playing, bro." Baby. Like in one of the one of the threads, I said, "Good playing, bro." You never even watched the movie. He's like, "No, I really did." And I'm like, "Did you really watch the movie, or did you just put it on the background, like for you to sit here?" say that that's like a dumpster fire is like i mean i don't you didn't watch the movie did you i used to honestly i used to go see these art house (laughs) movies uh at my local cinema here like we only have really one theater in town but for a while they actually booked a lot of them i guess during slow times of the year they would book them and i would go and i would see these like a24 and these art house movies and shit and i would just literally like visually and audibly hear like the dumbasses in the crowd like i saw that movie the witch and there was like a guy going nuts the whole movie. Like he, yeah, he couldn't stand the quietness and whatever. And then like you yeah. always hear, because I'm a I'm a person I stay through the end credits and shit, so I see everybody leave the theater when it gets up. So like everybody after those movies, you always see the two dumb guys who came together walking. Oh, that was so stupid. Oh, it's always stupid. I'm like, really? Was it stupid or is it just a fucking film and your dumb brain can't handle it? <laughs> Well, he couldn't handle uh, slow burn atmosphere yeah. builders and like you, you, like these these people like and I think that's what it is too. These people that are like giving like for instance Infinity Pool or gave Black Phone a shitty review and like I get it like uh, with 
like black phone probably not for everybody infinity pool is very unique uh film um it's definitely different and people were like it was just downhill and like yeah i get it a lot of people don't like mia goth and i didn't really like i really didn't think she was that great in x and pearl but this film was a whole nother story and so there was i didn't disagree with some of the mia goth haters although i did really like her in infinity pool um i really only uh, seen her in pearl but i liked it personally yeah i mean uh, pearl i finally watched that uh and i thought it was pretty overrated to be honest with you Uh, i liked x more um but like yeah when you put those even those two films back to back against infinity pool and it's just like they're just like they're they've blown right out the fucking water with infinity pool and it may be uh scars guard i think it is scars guards performance in it is just fucking phenomenal um and mia goth is just like the cherry on top of the film but yeah i highly recommend it but yeah i'm seeing like massive hate for this film and rightly so like i think that i'm starting to get that if it's like a good film and it's like goes against the grain of what is um is commonplace now and like mainstream and stuff then that actually is a sign that it's a good film and the ones that are saying they they don't like it they don't like art house they don't like european made films and neon neon seems to be the new i championed a24 but like i don't know some of the stuff they're putting out nowadays is like a24 has kind of become a factory too compared to their earlier years yeah like Blumhouse or whatever yeah. it's actually getting into like more like turning into Blumhouse yeah. I'm not gonna say they're like they're, I'll watch anything A24 puts out I may not like everything that A24 puts out but like five years ago I did like everything that came out from A24 uh, and I think Neon's starting to take its place so Neon also did yeah. the um, what is that fucking movie Titan mm-hmm. have you seen that yet? no but I remember the trailers I watched the trailers a bunch of times yeah it's fifteen bucks at Walmart, baby. I think really? it's I think it's like fifteen bucks. What's with Walmart too. stocking all this Kino, baby? Well, that was I was surprised. I when I saw it, I've already watched Titan and mm. stuff like that, so I haven't grabbed it. I probably wait till it gets down to ten dollars or whatever, just because uh, I've already seen it. But yeah, I was like, I, I saw that, and it was actually in. It's mistakenly put over by like the kids section at the, my Walmart, and I'm like. Yeah, this isn't a kids movie. This does not belong here. But uh, I mean, it's obvious that this girl laying on the hood of this car and yeah. shit. So hopefully, parents don't think that it's the new Cars movie or whatever. <laughs> yeah, but. yeah. But you know what's funny though, Bat is like, and don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not like a snob. Like, I think any screen anywhere is a good place to play a good movie. <laughs> but like, really, just because movie theaters now are so like hard up for product because Hollywood's abandoned them and just went to streaming, like. There, a lot of these art house movies are getting like a wider release, and it just sucks yeah. that like that's why they're getting the backlash. Because like if you put a if you put an art house style film into a place where dummies can get to it, they're gonna watch it yeah. and they're gonna they're gonna hate it. You know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. But I think Neon, I I do recommend, and Neon obviously distributed. Because uh, so both Brandon and his father are distributing movies through Neon. Because Crimes yeah. of the Future was a neon yeah, film and i believe possessor uh brandon cronenberg's last film which i, I didn't like too. that much i love possessor uh, personally yeah, I, I loved it baby yeah i know that uh now because i talked to our boy strebo about uh, uh me liking infinity pool and he hasn't seen it yet and he's like brandon cronenberg retrospective triple feature with all three films and i'm like i like antiviral i didn't i'll go watch 
But I told him I'd revisit Possessor just, you know, because if he wants to do this and stuff, and maybe my opinion will change. But, I mean, your first three films, and, like, in my opinion, two of them are, like, fucking knock out of the parks, like, you know, home runs. Um, I think that's pretty good numbers. I mean, honestly, know, from... though, baby, it's like, come on. It's like anything that's watchable at this point in time. You know what I'm I talking about? I know it's not hard. If it's something weird and, yeah. like, you got a kid eating plastic and digesting oh, it. That was the uh, best when the kid eats the fucking trash can. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> and, and, like, honestly, like, I just love shit that's, like, sickening. And I love fucking when, like, the mom calls him, like, a creature and shit. And, like, yeah. yeah and she calls him, like, pick up this fucker's body eating plastic. Yeah, no, that 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 scene is what hooked me. I'm like, what's going on here? It's kind of slow burning, and then I'm like, okay, kids eating trash can. All right, well, this is Cronenberg, Cronenbergian, yeah. weird. So, uh, yeah, and it's like not his best. I don't think it's his like best film by any means, but like it's good compared to what he's been doing, and it's a nice return to body horror. But like honestly, you know, nothing against David. And like I think he's got something good in him. I don't know exactly. What he's, I think he feel like he's distracted with selling handbags or whatever, whatever he's fucking <laughs> doing right now. Well, he wanted to be a night breed too, baby. Masks. Yeah. There's a yeah, side of him that we probably don't fully comprehend, to be honest with you. Yeah, he's in Jason. He's in Jason X too, as well. Um, you know, with this is like weird, weird selection of which. Roles which, by the way, because you brought up the body horror thing, and I see a lot of people being like, "Oh, body horror is the very intellectual, like whatever." Uh, you know, um, it's, it's it's a smart man's horror, body horror. Just gonna, hmm. which, like, I don't like jerk off necessarily with body horror. I like David Cronenberg's movies, but yeah. I, I've always took in body horror honestly to be more about the sleaze, baby. I don't get the intellectual. I like, I like, I like. It's just like. Like when you're fucking deep and you're hitting organs inside and squishing and juices coming out, like that's to me that's the the mental place, the the primordial brain that fucking David Cronenberg wants. Because because honestly, his early ones like Shivers, like they're just as much like yeah. sex exploitation movies as they are oh, yeah. body horror. Shivers you know? kicks out really kicked open the door of that whole eroticism uh, it wasn't and, even until uh, video and video drums super sleazy too but it wasn't even until video drums started really like introducing concepts of the new flesh and you know how things affect your body you right before that he was just like let's get this gushy thing she spreads her legs everybody fucks and then they get it's a STD. yeah like yeah. dude he's all about and, th- and then like you know dead ringers obviously it's just like they're, oh, yeah. they're gynecologists like how come they're not eye doctors if it's all about body horror you can do a lot of bad shit to your eyes like why are they just poking around vaginas the whole time baby it's like I don't and then get you that. Get exi- and then you get existence where they're mm-hmm. like lubing up the portholes yeah. and stuff like that. Dude, I, uh, yeah. I love the Plastic Eater movie uh, when they was, um, when them girls just like, like that, that movie was fine, but that point where those technician girls are like giggling and laughing and they just strip down naked and start climbing in the machine and it's all poking them and mm-hmm. shit. I was like, now this movie's rocking. And then it got good, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, but I feel like the problem with Crimes of the Future is that, like, the ending was, like, kind of anticlimactic, and, like, I don't know, it's just, this is, like, is there more? Like, is there more? It was was kind of um, trying to be, like, almost like the ending of Crash, if I'm remembering right. I don't know. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, if you compare it to his other sci-fi films, like, um, or, I guess you could say, uh, 
I, I, yeah, I want to say sci-fi because they're not really body horror, but they are sci-fi that he's put out since yeah. like he's gotten off into this different direction in his career. If you compare it to Spider and um, Cosmopolis, it's mm-hmm. like fucking pure gold compared yeah. to... I mean, I don't know. Some people like Cosmopolis and Spider. I did not. Cosmopolis is... It's it's dull, but it's fine. Fucking yeah. Spider. I, I couldn't get through that shit, baby. I think I was fast-forwarding when I rented that. I wanted to like the film because it's like David Cronenberg's new film and everything, yeah. but I just, yeah, I mean, I couldn't get into it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's. And what so a waste of Ray Fines. Holy shit, and Spider. Like, you get this fucking guy and he, he does this boring shit in this movie? Like, come on. I feel like what they need, what David Cronenberg needs to do now is, I really do believe this, is like, you need to join forces with your boy and do a film. Like, yeah. I don't know if Team you're going to write it. And let him direct it, or you guys are going to co-write it and co-direct it together. But, like, yes, I think that at this point, as far as his filmmaking career is concerned, he really does need to team up with his son because his son has got this cutting-edge style. And after seeing Infinity Pool, I'm just like, if you guys combine forces, you could make the greatest fucking sci-fi horror movie that we have ever fucking seen at this point. And maybe bring David Lynch in. Yeah. To fucking be your cinematographer. Like, I don't yeah. know. Well, I think the son, Cronenberg's son, I think the son has a little more of the, the filmmaking style that would that would possibly interest a, a, a more modern audience. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, he needs to really, he really does need to work with his son because I think he has the eye for what, the yeah, the modern audience wants. But... I don't think that his writing is quite where his dad and like he's he is borrowing some stuff from his dad. Like yeah. there is definitely some major influences from watching his dad's films. Oh yeah, I mean it's there's some parts of Possessor that are just seem like his dad through and through. Antiviral too and Infinity Pool. I mean there's just stu- there's a lot of stuff like they're not body well antiviral is a body horror film. Yeah. It is. Uh, I still but, need to see that. It was on Netflix for years and I never watched it. Man, it's good. It's great. Yeah, I, need, and, uh, I, I, I need to watch it because I want to see Infinity Pool, obviously, when it comes out. But I can I can at least track down Antiviral now. Well, Infinity Pool comes out. The Blu-ray's out. I don't know if you want to wait for the 4K and or whatever. I'll just like rent the Blu-ray bloggers. from Netflix when they get it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah it comes out uh, April. Um, I'm. Nice. A, it's like 18 bucks on Amazon. I'm gonna probably wait because it'll probably come down. Remember to Remember how 15 Crimes months. of the Future like dropped down to like three dollars so quick on regular Blu-ray? It was like, it was like it 22, was and then it was 18, then it was 15. Then I think it was like, it's like eight. Yeah. I think it's like 18. Yeah. Even at Best Buy, it was like 15. But yeah. and uh, during the winter when I was in there looking around, and I had it in my hand, but I'm like, I already got like over a hundred dollars worth of stuff, and I've seen this already, so I put it back, but I shouldn't have because then the prices jump back up, and I'm yeah. like, that was a mistake. I should have just bought it at 15. But we, we're over. Way, uh, we've gone way past three hours. We're at three hours ten minutes, oh baby. God. We should wrap it up it for the sacred because our listeners have indulged us enough when we're talking about the juices and everything. But we just I know you should go back and cut that Marvel shit out. Yeah, that was a big <laughs> chunk of horseshit. Yeah, but I'll, I'll, I'll leave it for out. the John Campia fans out there. <laughs> Fucking dude makes a million dollars a year talking about Marvel day in and day out on YouTube. I don't get it. 
we don't we we weren't super supportive of it so i think it's no. in the right vein it's in the right yeah. vein well even he trashes it now he used to be all about he used to go to the premieres and he uploaded the photos of him <laughs> standing there with the themed hoodie on and in front of the background of the premiere and now he just trashes it nonstop, and he still makes yeah. money maybe we can make some good money trashing marvel we should start a anti-marvel podcast where we yeah. just like hate on it We'll watch the new film and just shit yeah, on it. And be like, like how the new it wasn't really a, it wasn't really a comic book like they say uh, Black Phone and Infinity yeah. Pool weren't really horror movies. We'll say it really wasn't a comic book movie. Bad, don't you? <laughs> yeah, really, it wasn't really a comic book movie because it was CGI. It was no art. Right. Yeah, there's no hand drawn yeah. art in this film. No, but like, don't you think when everybody's like, let me pull my drawers down to unload my bowels onto Infinity Pool? Don't you think like some of that criticism sometimes? It's like almost like a fucking like way of like holding like regular real films down just to maintain the status quo of homogenized Hollywood horseshit. That's yeah. what exactly what I think, and I think that some of these either they're like paid or they're literally brainwashed yeah. by watching this garbage for so long that like they can't they don't they don't even like they they watch like a even if Martin Scorsese did a new film that was like more groundbreaking than Taxi Driver or Goodfellas or something yeah. like they would find a way to shit on it because like they yeah they don't want I don't know I, I feel like some of these people might actually work for like production companies or like Hollywood studios I mean it, they, they've been that. busted before online shit but it's like the thing yeah. about it is is like Infinity Pool like comes out right or they make it whatever some com- private company whatever makes it neon whoever Make it a fitting pool, and then it's just like the final product shows up, and then that's it. And then you review the final product. With the Disney thing, you know, there's like the interviews and the access, possible set visits. When the movie comes out, there's a big press junket. You know, your your station, your website, whatever you work for comes, interviews Paul Rudd or whoever. Like, all that shit goes away, baby, if you gave the last three Marvel movies bad reviews. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's true, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, I feel bad for Paul though, since you're saying that the Ant Man, because I I really like Paul Rudd. I like genuinely seems yeah. like a nice guy, and um, maybe I feel if that, like maybe that problem. ends for him though, baby. Maybe he can go make some real Kino finally. Well, that's what I was thinking. Like they they should have brought him back for um uh Halloween Kills, and I just feel oh, like he yeah. was doing something Tommy horrible. Yeah, he couldn't. He was, or they just couldn't. I love Anthony Michael Hall. By the way, Anthony Michael Hall is one of my favorite actors yeah. of all time. Probably in my top twenty yeah. favorite actors. But like, he was not the guy to play Tommy Doyle the stage in his life. I mean, he worked. He worked, and he was all right because yeah. he is a good actor and everything. But yeah, I mean, like, I everybody would have like, and you could have got a lot more butts in the seats if you had Paul Rudd. Yeah. And so I'm like, they're not coming out to see Anthony Michael Hall. I'm sorry, they were not. They were coming out to see it because it was a Halloween movie, not because mm-hmm. he's he's in it, you know. So they were coming to see the trauma of Laurie Strode. <laughs> they they sure weren't coming out to see it. Jamie Lee Curtis is so fucking vain that she thinks they come <laughs> to see these movies because of me. Not a motherfucker in a white mask. <laughs> I'm sorry. There's a motherfucker with a white mask over in the bushes there holding a knife. That's why people are at the movies, Jamie. I hate to tell you. Why is it? And I want to make a comment here. Why is she like donning these Dahmer glasses? Like, what is, is this in? Is it like the Dahmer glasses are mainstream now. Like, what is it with the women wanting to, to wear Dahmer glasses? They all glasses? want like, George Romero glasses and shit. No, George Romero's were cool and stuff. Yeah. Like, I see her. I've seen more women with these like Dahmer style like horn rim glasses, yeah. and I'm like, 
is this the thing now? Like, you look like Jeffrey Dahmer. You gotta put them glasses on, baby, and get that blank, like, uh, look on your face. Yeah. It's disturbing. It is disturbing. Well, anyway, I think the lightsabers are back, baby, so we're gonna have to cut it off here at three hours and 15 minutes. Obviously, Bat, thank you for going on another great Kino journey with Nightcrawler, and then also sticking around for another hour and a half to talk about Marvel. Um, may the MCU rest in peace. It's been dead for a while, but uh, either way, yeah. either way, long live the new flesh. And I want to thank all our listeners. Obviously, they're the best. And uh, thanks for sticking with us through the Kino times and the uh, the lean times. And um, Luke, I am your father. And uh, that's it. We'll see you next time in the movie graveyard. You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows, visit electronicmediacollective.com.